two. This is Beyond the Hate. I'm Steve. I'm John. Uh, and today we're talking about the fifth element. Yes. And uh, I think for a lot of people, it, this is, uh, of the time like when it came out, was one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever. I mean, as far as we're concerned, it's one of our favorite sci-fi movies. It's definitely yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, it's definitely mine, too. Yeah. In the Diva song that we played at the first of it, um, Bruce Willis's expression whenever it's starting is real. The director, uh, Luke Besson, didn't tell him anything about what he was about to see. So whenever you see his face during the performance, that's just totally real. It's Bruce Willis' reactions. Right. He does. Luke Besson does that multiple times to Bruce Willis in this movie. Yeah. Well, because I think you know, it's almost like it, it's kind of like we just want Willis to improv because he's such a good actor. It's like we just kind of want his genuine reaction to stuff while he's within character. Right. He has such a good uh, face range too. Like his expressions are awesome. It's part of them that made him. You know, you watch Die Hard and you see. Like, some of the stuff that he says and does. You know, welcome to the party, pal! Yeah. You know, just, like, his facial expression while he's doing stuff. You want that, like, natural Bruce Willis type stuff. And the director also said the easiest thing about this movie was casting Bruce Willis. Uh, he said he met him in New York, let him read the script. Bruce Willis said, I'd, I'll do it. And then they started. <laughs> Corbin Dallas! <laughs> Corbin Dallas! You know, yeah. that, that's that's uh, that's a lot to say about Bruce Willis. You know, a lot of people call, you know, Bruce Willis a dick and stuff like that a lot of times in real life. I don't think that's true. I just don't think he's going to put up with everybody's shit. I, yeah. I really do. I don't think he's going to sit there and please you just because you're a fan of his or something like that. He's not a dick. He's just kind of to himself. Yeah. 
I mean, there are some celebrities that are like that, where they just, they don't really do autographs, they don't do pictures, they just, they do their job, and that's kind of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, Bruce Willis has a family, a wife, and stuff like that, that's, you know, that's his joy, and, you know, he's a great actor, you know, Bruce Willis is, what, in his 60s now, and... Yeah. The guy's still amazing, still gotta watch that Death Wish movie. Right, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Replace yeah. him fucking Charlie Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> Replace him motherfucking Charlie Bronson. So, but we will talk about Bruce Willis in depth because he's a big chunk of the comments. So yeah, okay, that's that's <laughs> that's good to know. Yeah. So we got uh, we're drinking Samuel Adams raspberry lemon. Um, goze. Goze. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fuck that word is. Uh, goze. Goze. <laughs> um. I gave it a 1.5 out of 3. John gave it a 2 because it's the least not bitter. It's drinkable. It tastes like a, you know, yeah. tastes like a beer, but I think the lemon. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like a beer for sure. I think the lemon drowns out the raspberry, which is disappointing because you see something with raspberry. You're like, raspberries are delicious. Lemons, what? I'd do that to, you know, do that face. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But it's not, there's, you really can hardly even taste the lemon, and I think the lemon took out some of the flavor of the raspberry. Yeah, so they kind of canceled each other out, so they're like, what two things will cancel each other out and make it taste like, I don't know, like, flavored water? Right. Um, raspberry and lemon, apparently. Right, yeah. They don't mix. Congratulations, they... you just made a Coors. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Okay, attack on Coors. <laughs> This podcast is not sponsored by Coors. This is definitely not sponsored by Coors. I don't hate Coors. I just think it's funny to make fun of them. Yeah. Because <laughs> their beer sucks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't ever drink it. Yeah. So we have our Living Dead draft. I don't know if you've been thinking about this. Oh, uh, shit. No, I have not. I've been focusing on most of the <laughs> comments. Okay. Uh, so, um, yeah. So we got to bring some people back and we got to get rid of some people. Uh, and this is... Oh, no, I have one I can do. Okay, I have, like, at least a, uh, a living person, or a dead person I would want to bring back, I do. I just thought of it, so... Okay, so... That's, that's what you get with this show. You get some improv. Yeah, most of it's improv. We don't do editing. We don't have a producer. We do all this stuff. We're all in studio. Yeah. And, uh, that's... The only thing that is, like, kind of formulaic is the comments, to a degree. But aside from that, like, I just do the comments verbatim and then it, it, I'm just getting Steve's live reaction so because mm-hmm. I already know what's in the comments obviously because I did them I'm just trying to get Steve's reaction to it yeah if we could ever get a show where we do like uh, comments like out of a hat like we get a bunch of letters of people that send us like comments that they found that'd be exciting too that'd be kind of cool <laughs> yeah uh, so if you guys want to do that just Email us at beyondthehateyahoo.com and we'll let you know how you can do that. Right. Um, so we're bringing back people from the dead and we're getting rid of people. Um, go ahead and nominate someone. Okay. So the person that I want to bring back, and you might even know where I'm going with this when I first start off, uh, this is a person who is considered to be kind of like one of the, one of the freaks of just like, of like the the world that he came from and it would be amazing to see what he'd be able to do even even at his old age and I'm talking about Bruce Lee 
Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee was a physical freak. He had like maybe 1% body fat or something. I forgot exactly what it was, but the dude was basically all muscle. He had he had the strength in a punch from one inch away that some people don't even get when they're heavyweight boxers. Like, the dude was just a freak of nature. I would love to see what Bruce would be doing now, even though he would be quite a bit older. But it'd be cool to see him in, like, you know, like modern martial arts movies, still whipping dude's ass, even though right. he's, like, 80 and shit, you know? <laughs> well, you kind of had the same train of thought I had, very close to who I was going to nominate, because I nominate his son, Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee, okay. <laughs> We got we got the Lee father and son duo. So we're bringing back the Lees. <laughs> Bruce and Brandon. So I will go ahead and try to find someone that could replace Bruce Lee in the afterlife. <laughs> so who would I give up to get Bruce Lee back? Hmm. I have some ideas. So, I will give up. Let's see. It needs, to, it needs to be somebody big, though. Because if you're going to get somebody as legendary as Bruce Lee, you got to give up someone legendary. But maybe on the opposite side of things. Yeah, somebody infamous. Yeah, someone infamous. Somebody that just pisses people off. So, I'm going to give Kanye West. Kanye, okay. I have one for mine that I, th I think you'll agree with. Okay. Okay, so who I'm going to submit to get Brandon Lee back so we could fucking get a decent Crow movie again. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Exiting even... out, scared of uh, trying to uh, do what Brandon did, huh, Jason Momoa? Right. Or should we start calling you Jason Mimosa? <laughs> Mimosa? <laughs> uh, but, uh... Uh, also, it'd be really cool to see, uh, was it Showdown in Little Tokyo? Yeah. But, like, another one with, like, you know, the Dolph same age, Brandon, Brandon Lee. Lee and Dolph. That would be Let's pretty awesome. Let's get a trilogy, which is yeah. what the fifth element is, was supposed to be, or he had an idea for it to be. But uh, who I'm going to nominate for Brandon Lee is Harvey Weinstein. Harvey. Let's go ahead and get Harvey Weinstein in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we didn't say that this was about hell, but... No, no, know. no, no. None of the other things are about hell that Harvey's... <laughs> if somebody was going to go to hell, it probably would be Harvey Weinstein. I mean, that's the whole reason that we have this whole Me Too thing going on now and yeah, all this stuff where you have... Uh... Oh, and, you know, speaking of, like, objectifying women, that does come up in this episode, so we're going to have a little bit of... Uh... Objecti Wait, objectifying women and... The yeah. fifth element? Yeah, oh yeah, it's a comment. I have an entire paragraph about that. So, they didn't see the movie, apparently. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into more depth whenever we get into that in the comments, but just, just prepare your minds for what's prepare going to Prepare your anuses. Prepare your asses.
one thing that uh, some people were were talking about and stuff. I know you haven't still haven't seen Infinity War yet, uh, but the plot to Fifth Element is very similar to Infinity War, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Well, I you know the concept. Thanos is trying to collect some stones D- to try to destroy and, yeah. half of humanity. What is yeah. Zorg trying to do? He's trying, to get the, <laughs> he's trying to get the stone so that he can, you know, use it to destroy humanity so that he can rebuild it. Yeah, so... he's trying to destroy it for Mr. Shadow. Yeah, that's yep. uh, pretty much the exact same plot that Thanos is going with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was originally planned for a trilogy, like I mentioned before. Uh, Jamie Foxx was considered for Ruby Rod. Jamie Foxx? Just I, Jamie I don't, Foxx, he, I don't think, could have done that, He though. couldn't do it. He, he just didn't have the not. energy to be Ruby. I've seen that, and I was like, that's very interesting. I'm glad that um, didn't work out, and it went to Chris Tucker. The budget was $93 million, made $263 million. Um, uh, the film takes place in 1914 and in 2263. Yeah. So that's the timeline of it. So there's, there's a little bit of tidbit facts that I got for you that I thought were really, really interesting. Now it's trivia time. So, who other than Mila was considered for Lilu? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Uh, so this is like a multiple choice? Yes. Okay. I, I wasn't done. I was taking a sip of this bland beer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, A, gold dust. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I only put this on the list because that's, that's just great. Yeah. Uh, B, Uma Thurman. C, Julia Roberts. Or D, Angelina Jolie. For Lilu? Yes. I'm going to say... Uh... So it was Angelina, uh, Julia Roberts, Julia Roberts, Uma Thurman, or Gold Dust. <laughs> I'm gonna say Julia Roberts. That is correct. Oh, okay. It was Julia Roberts. She was considered for it, but of course, she got beat out by Mila. Yeah. How many women did Mila beat out for the role? A. Fifteen. B. Eighty. C. Three thousand. D. Ten million. <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, my gut's telling me 80 your final answer uh, yeah no she beat out 3,000 women 3,000 yes there was Damn. a lot of celebrity names that was on the list that auditioned for Lilo but uh, um, Mila got it She he said one of the reasons that she got it was because she was one of the people that could be you know uh, physically, she could be Egyptian, she could be um, whatever it needed to be throughout generations and generations, and that why, that's what made her the perfect woman. Um, so that's uh, that's something that was pretty interesting on um, Luc Besson's part, because he had the final casting say. Yeah. Uh, who does the voice of Fanger? It's uncredited, so you can't see it on the the thing. Um, let me make sure I'm saying his name right. It's Jean Renault, right? 
Isn't that the dude's name from the professional? Jean Reno from Jean Lucas. Renault, yeah. yeah. Making sure I say it right. These French names kind of mess me up sometimes. Yeah. Uh, a, Jean Reno, which worked with Luc Besson and the professional and stuff. Um, B, Jean Claude Van Damme. C, Vin Diesel. Or D, Hulk Hogan. Uh. Oh shit! Because I'm trying because I'm trying to talk remember. to him on the phone. You yeah, only I'm hear trying the to voice. Remember, I'm trying to remember because like Finger's voice is very distinct. Uh. So it was uh, Jean Reno, Vin Diesel, Jean Claude Van Damme, Jean Claude, or Hulk Hogan. I'm gonna say. Ooh, shit, I don't know. Vin Diesel? It was Vin Diesel. Really? <laughs> he really did a good job with his voice to hide that. Because it doesn't sound like Vin Diesel. Yes, Finger is Vin Diesel. It was a rumor thing that kind of went around for years, and it was finally actually confirmed. Oh. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Vin Diesel's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, screw you Vin Diesel haters. Um, <laughs> okay, what is... What is the fifth element. This is an interesting question. A. Lilu. B. Corbin Dallas. C. Humanity. Or D. Love. It's love. It is love. D. Yep. If you didn't get that, because they don't say it in the movie, uh, the fifth element is love. Yeah, technically that's what... Love. That's what lo- Yeah, love is supposed to be what Lilu is, because yeah. it's like... Um, Lilu is supposed to be kind of like the antithesis of Mr. Shadow, what Zord calls Mr. Shadow. Yeah, Mr. Shadow is about destruction evil. and hate and evil, and Lilu is supposed to be about life and like well, freedom and happiness and stuff like that. That's why and, she cries when she sees all the war stuff and everything through mm-hmm. human history and everything. She is love. So. But also she doesn't activate until Corbin kisses her. Right, she yeah. doesn't. Because she has to fall in love mm-hmm. to be what she needs to be yeah um okay so uh general uh who was considered for the role of general monroe other than brian james uh a sylvester sloan b danny glover uh c tommy lee jones or d kevin costner i'm gonna say tommy lee jones that would have been awesome, but no. Oh. Kevin Costner was his first choice, really? but Kevin Costner turned it down. Mm. But Brian James did a great Probably job. because he dies in the freezer. That's kind of a bullshit way to go out. Yeah, that's just the worst way to die. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't die in a freezer. Kevin Costner's like, I like everything, but I have to die in a freezer? Yeah, it's like I can't die in like a shootout or something cool. It's like, look, dude, you did Waterworld. Right? We're, we're doing you a favor here. This is actually a good movie it was, uh <laughs> this was uh because this movie came out was this before the postman or after the postman that is a good question and that is actually worth googling right <laughs> uh, so this came out in 1997 97 we, we yeah. know this so the postman came out and nope that's not the right postman <laughs> i think steve just went on uh under red tube but anyway <laughs> The Postman also came out in 1997. Oh, okay. He's like, no, man, I can't work on that. 
Because I'm working on that Postman movie. <laughs> I gotta get that Postman out. Yeah. Because that's going to propel me into greatness. Yeah. No. And, you know, a couple years before that, he did Waterworld, which was in 1995. Yeah, that was a bomb. Yeah, so that was like two in a row. Yeah. What just about stick to Hood? baseball movies, man. That's what you're good at. Yeah. Or just, like, or like just... draft, draft Day, which was, uh, or Draft Night. The one about the Browns actually becoming relevant, which is which is totally a fantasy movie. <laughs> it's just all yeah. It, it, it could like draft night should be you, in the fantasy if section. Were, if there were still movie stores, it'd be like sitting next to like Harry Potter and shit, right? <laughs> like the Lord of the Rings, because the Cleveland Browns actually getting their head out of their ass is a total fantasy. <laughs> that is like a movie that like Browns fans like watch every day. Why can't we get a GM like this? This dude actually has balls and he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he doesn't press the reset button like every year. Yeah. Oh also, no, bad year reset. He's also got kind of a hot daughter too, so that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. a plus and not creepy at all to mention. Right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's because uh, I can I, I I can say that as far as like Fifth Element goes, that I have owned a copy of this and I think every version that's been made except for 4K Blu-ray, because I've had a VHS copy, I've had a DVD copy and a Blu-ray copy. Like every time I've upgraded my equipment, I've bought a copy of this movie. He even has a copy of his copy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just like, you can't have enough Tommy Boys, and you can't have enough of the uh, Fifth Element. <laughs> exactly. Because the only thing that might be able to bring about world peace, and you can say what you want to about this whole Trump and Kim Jong-un thing, like, we're not political or anything, and like, right. the meeting in Singapore, but the thing that can bring about true world peace, I think, is Mila Jovovich running around basically, like, halfway naked for a good chunk of the movie, and then... Wearing that little that little white T-shirt number with the right. orange straps, like that could probably bring about world peace. Because how could you hate that? You know. <laughs> I just I had something else that uh, I wanted to mention about the Netflix queue. Like <laughs> okay, okay, this is just totally random. This Nothing is super about off topic, but okay. So I was I've been thinking about this for a while, so. So uh, you know how you watch something, they're like, well, because you watch this. You should watch that. Mm -hmm. So then they'll like give you like, okay, I watched Face Off recently mm -hmm. uh, because it's an awesome movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know Nick Cage is the shit in that movie. Okay, so they they suggest the Negotiator, fine. Then the Family Man, what? <laughs> uh, the Art of War, okay. Next, I don't even know what that is. Uh, yeah, Phenomenon with John Travolta. That's just because it has John Travolta in it, that's nothing like Face Off. Right. Armageddon? What? Yeah, that's... That's nothing like Face they're Off. They're just kind of like, hey, you want to watch an action movie? <laughs> Bad Boys? I guess it has two people with guns? That's, right. <laughs> that's the similarity? That totally relates. Heat? That's not Face Off. Mm -mm. Lakeview Terrence? That's nothing like it. Deep Blue Sea? That's Sharks. Right. How's that like Face Off? Right. Who? There's nobody even in that. Blood Diamond? What? They really need to get this cute Sixth Sense. That's a thriller, right? <laughs> Red Dragon about Hannibal Lecter. See, I don't know how they do these cues. See, no, Lethal Weapon Four. That makes sense. That's you know, Mel Gibson's kind of insane in that, so that's like Nick Cage-ish. The right. Cocktail. Look, Cocktail. Cocktail. <laughs> because I watched Face Off, I'd like to watch Cocktail. Right. 
<laughs> I don't Why? see how any of that shit relates. Is one of the? Did I see the Lost Boys in there? Yeah, the Lost yeah. Boys. <laughs> I watched Face Off, so clearly I love Kiefer Sutherland. Right, yeah. That doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> and Vampires. Mr. Woodcock? It's a Billy Bob Thornton comedy. Yeah, and then Waterboy? Waterboy? Because then, I watched Face Off, I'm going to watch Waterboy right after? And then Casino? Casino? That's National, a comedy. National Treasure has Nick Cage, but... Yeah, that's at least got a person in it, but right. it's nothing like <laughs> Face Off. Kevin James stand-up? <laughs> because I watched Face Off, I'm going to watch Kevin James stand-up. That's next in your queue. That has to be. Because, you know, why not? Why not? L.A. Confidential? Yeah. Trading Places? Trading Places. Sin that, City? Yes. Yeah, well, Sin City makes a little bit of a sense. But you see what I'm saying? They're, they're just like, because you watched a movie. They're just randomly. Here, here's just, every other movie we have. Right. We just want you to watch all of this shit. Please don't cancel us. That's what that is. Yeah. Mortal Kombat? Because I watched Face Off, I'm going to watch Mortal Kombat. Like, no, man. They're probably confusing Nick Cage with Johnny Cage. (laughs) That must be it. It's like, oh, this has the word Cage in it. Yeah. You know, uh, Seven? What? These, these, Nothing forgetting you going, Sarah like, Marshall, Brent. I watched Face Off, then I'm going to watch a Jason Segel movie? Right. <laughs> We're watching this, like, intense thriller about two guys trying to kill each other, and then I'm, I'm going to watch Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Wow, this is just... Grease? Did I see Grease? Is that Grease? No, what is that? Um, no, no, kill go... Kill the uh, Irishman. Oh, no. Uh, uh no, what is, what, what was that? No, go back. What is it? What the fuck is carpool? that? Carpool? Carpool? What the fuck? Yeah, see, see what I'm saying? These make no sense. Like, could you give me a smaller... Walk Hard? That's walk a spoof hard. comedy of I Walk the Line. Yeah. The Dude Bad Santa story. 2? I just don't know... Does anyone know how they do this? Because it's totally wrong. Like, I'll watch hardly none of those movies. Yeah, unless there's like some kind of like seven degrees of separation type shit. Where it's like, instead of like everything relates back to Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. it's just like every movie can tie to any other movie. Yeah, it's like, like, so they're just like, here! Yeah. Your algorithm is broken, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. It's bro- it's definitely broken. That would be, I'd be fucked up if you were, you know... Like, if you were watching something like Jaws, and they're like, what about Sharknado? It's got sharks in it, and you're like, okay, that's bullshit, but I, okay, I at least understand that. Yeah, at least, at least you gave me something else. Like, if I was watching yeah. Shark, like, if I was watching Jaws, and the next thing up in my queue, you put, like you know, Deep Blue Sea, then I'll be like, okay, that makes sense. But I'm watching yeah. Face Off, and then at the end of it, you're like, hey, you sh- you probably like Clueless. Right. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. Did you, do you even know what I just watched? It's got Paul Rudd in it. He's a national treasure. It's like... <laughs> I mean, that's not a lie. Speaking of which, here's National Treasure with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> it's like... It's like, this isn't how movies work. No. <laughs> I don't think this is how this is supposed to go down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you you like Dolph Lundgren? Well, here's a Hugh Grant movie. It's like that is the opposite yeah. of what I just watched. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like yeah. You want to watch Silent Trigger? That's pretty cool. Hey, what about Four Weddings and a Funeral? It's like what the fuck? No, Catherine Bigelow. Here's Woody Allen. It's like right. what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I think I got dumber from watching this Woody Allen movie after this. I watched this badass shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like Quentin Tarantino. Here's Michael Bay. 
But, <laughs> but I think that, uh, yeah. You know what would be the most amazing, like, fucking, like, C-grade movie ever? Like, fuck Sharknado. What about Sharknado? Sharknado. <laughs> Brought to you by Michael Bay. Michael Bay starring, I don't know. Who would be the best Sharters? Sharters. <laughs> Jack Black. Jack Black. He's in. Um, uh, <laughs> I would say, uh, uh, fuck it, Jimmy Kimmel. Mm. Throw Kimmel in there. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> so that's that's all you need. You just Sharknado. Need... There we go. Let's get this. Sharknado. Rolling. Jack Black and Jimmy Kimmel. Let's get it going. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just like a Roseanne. Giant... She's not doing shit now. It's you can throw giant... her in there. <laughs> yeah. Because if we've learned anything from the past, like, few weeks, Roseanne totally works in a giant tornado of shit. <laughs> yeah. If she can generate it, definitely. She self-implodes. Remember, don't do ambient. It makes you racist. Right, yeah. <laughs> and very stupid. Right. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, since we're on like a little Netflix a too. Yeah, but I, th- I thought tangent. that was something fun I had to talk about. Right. This has been boiling up inside Steve. <laughs> <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> okay, so as far as the comments go, a lot of things repeated, right? So I'm trying to, like, dig things into their essence. And so... The main thing I think about this movie is that people had some very specific gripes. And that's pretty much what this is. Like, half of these comments are about specific individual characters. Mm -hmm. So, but I will start it off with what, uh, uh, and going through this, people feel like Luke Besson is just a hack, right? This guy's awful. And I'm like, I've never seen anybody that's really complained this much about Luke Besson, you know. He was married to me, though. I mean, yeah. But, uh, I I figured that, like, starting off with Luke Besson would be a good way to kind of get our feet wet on this. Because he's a director and, like, a producer and, like, you know, he's been in Hollywood for a while. But we really haven't, like, talked about him much. So, I would I would just go ahead and probably just start off with, uh, with Luke Besson. So, number one. If you're a Luke Besson fan, you've doubtless, you'll doubtless love his obsession with style over substance. You'll love his hilarious and quirky character uh, caricatures, and you'll go all wet at the fabulous, over-the-top wackiness of his story situations. It's not that I can't like this sort of stuff. The other kind of uh, sci-fi stinker is the way-too-serious one, like The Phantom Menace. But it's just what? it's just the way Luke Besson does it, uh, self-consciously uh, smirking to himself. I don't know. Maybe it's just a French thing. Combining hokey science fiction, quasi-religious sentiments, and a garish French New Wave fashion sensibility, this mess had a, uh, has a bad plot that just has a lot of stupid things happening very, very fast. If there was ever a pretentious movie about nothing... Uh, but which tried recklessly to cover up its lack of meaning with over-elaborate sets and costumes. This is it right here. How could a genuine film fan enjoy this movie? Reportedly, Luc Besson began writing it when he was only 16. He must have finished it before he turned 17 because The Fifth Element is one of the most immature and annoying movies I can remember. What story there is... But you can remember it. (laughs) uh, What story there is becomes mind-numbingly dull by the end. 
But before that point, Bassan heaps so much half-witted pseudo-intellectual garbage on the audience that it made me want to scream. Luke Bassan should never be allowed to work in show business again. It's hard to believe this is the same guy who was responsible for the excellent Leon, the professional. Yeah, well, <laughs> see... <laughs> so much hate, man! This It's such a big paragraph for, like, no information. Right, that's kind of why I set it up like this, because they're just saying that he's bad. And immature, but... And they make fun of him being French... Like that, all of a sudden, like you know, it's like, oh, his French sensibilities is what that, ruins. This that's movie. called racism. Yeah, you can be well. It's not really a racism, but it's like nationalism. Nationalism, which I is guess. just as bad as racism. Yeah, just hating somebody hating because of the country. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I still feel like that's also racism, though. Even if it's not color, it's of you know a race of people, like the French people. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, Lubasan's very fantastical about his ideals of the future because he everything that goes in the future in most movies are always dark and depressing. He said that he wanted to be the opposite. He wanted to be exciting and fun and actually a good future. Um, yeah, not like Mad Max or you know yeah, like these it, post-apocalyptic movies. Everybody projects the future as being like dark and just me like we're like everyone's pretty sure that the future's gonna suck <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh opposed to how it used to be back in the day when sci-fi writers wrote and they're like oh we're going to be super advanced now that we're at the period that those sci-fi writers wrote about now we're like oh no it's gonna be a shithole right yeah we're gonna be like desert trying to survive a nuclear apocalypse or zombies zombies or, <laughs> or something like it's that. gonna be something where it's like you know the uh something like terminator where we developed ai and the ai destroyed us and like that kind of shit with like nuclear weapons because that's what the whole terminator thing is about is that we we got too good with ai like look ai right now can barely fucking drive cars have you seen all that shit that's been going on with the ubers and the teslas yeah I don't these things can barely fucking drive cars how are they supposed to launch a nuclear holocaust against look, humanity as, as a person that works with machines the machine uprising is never going to happen right because they break i mean they don't fix themselves i mean you have to fix them and do maintenance on them. So unless you teach them how to fix themselves, then you have no problem. Yeah. And just be like, oh, the machines turn on us. Be like, well, just like lock your doors for like a couple weeks, and they'll break down, and then we'll fucking trash them. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. Especially if you make out of metal, they'll fucking rust. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but I think the thing with Basan, I think. Is that I th sometimes I think with like certain directors, people don't understand them, and because he has a way of doing things. Like when you watch The Fifth Element, it is it is a very interesting movie because even just stuff like the soundtrack has a very distinct sound to it. Like I can hear basically any track from this movie just randomly out in the world, and I'm like, that's from Fifth Element because I remember it so well in my head. But, but because he's really good at making shit that stands out and is memorable. Yeah, but the the you're not gonna hear those just like out and about in the world. <laughs> Generally not. Now I think one of those I did hear in a car commercial once, and I'm like, that sounds like a track from Fifth Element. I don't know, maybe they licensed it or something, but I'm pretty sure I saw one in a car commercial. Yeah, or maybe it sense. sounded like it and it made, fooled me to thinking it was. I don't remember exactly. But, but a lot of the hate is probably. Um, 
he's a French director. If you just watch French-made movies, you understand this is they kind of have a different style than Americans. Mm-hmm. He's a French director, but he's mainstream America. So yeah. they, they see Luc Besson's work a lot. And then they always criticize it because it's made in the French style, but it's in mainstream. You think like, that's why people revolted against Valerian? Probably. Uh, it's because just We probably... haven't seen Valerian, but from what I can tell is it's like it has the feeling of something kind of like Fifth Element where it's like this really cool like, you know, like sci-fi adventure movie, but people just are like, fuck this movie. And it's like, you just, I don't think sometimes people understand like a, a director's style and like what they're trying to do. Right. It you know? probably made a lot of money in France and if we watch Valerian and we like it, we'll probably do it. Um, but it's also his movies, his biggest movies are always very female led. Um, like La Femme Nikita. Yeah, La Femme, La Femme Nikita. And, and then, you know, you have uh, Leon the Professional that was Natalie Portman as a little girl. Yeah. Fifth Element. You have the Messenger, the story of Jonah Ark. Yep. Which was also Mila. Also Mila, yep. Uh, which was an amazing movie. Um, you know, you have stuff like Angel A, and he did like a video short of Madonna, and you know, he, he, um, the lady, Lucy. Yeah. Lucy you know, was, he's yeah. he's making another movie right now called Anna. Um, so, you know, and that's Helen Mirren. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. Luke Evans. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where he is, he doesn't hide his view on women in the movies. He, they're either main characters or strong supporting characters. They're never usually like these weak damsels in distress. And a lot of times that pisses people off. Like, why isn't she just like sucking his dick or something you know something like that it's oh like, Lilu has her own section here so we will talk at length about Lilu. you know they they just want to see their fantasies reacted on screen and when they don't see it they get very bitter and they find other reasons to hate the movie but they probably watched it 10 times well did you see some of this stuff about like they were saying that luke Besson's like you know, this—he's been brought up on the sexual harassment stuff too. I don't believe it. Did you? Did you see any of that? I have not. I, I, I saw a little bit about it, but I was like, Luke Besson, really? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that if if Luke Besson was the type of dude, like a Harvey Weinstein type dude, that is like, you know, messing with like his female, like you know, like his his female actresses and stuff like that. Mila definitely wouldn't have shit to do with him. No. You know, but other people wouldn't have shit to do with him if he was a scumbag. And I'm like, I've never heard anything about this. So this is, uh, this, you know, th- because we know that there's, like, legitimately, like, terrible shit that goes on. I mean, Terry Crews had, some, had another guy that just straight up just, like, grabbed his dick, right? Like, that I happened. mean, I know that's a grabbable dick, everyone. <laughs> but keep your hands off the T. Crews. Right, yeah. <laughs> But but the whole thing is is like even Terry Crews has had to deal with this shit where like somebody has like groped him in Hollywood, and you know I remember like watching the thing where uh, he was on Trevor Noah's show and he was like, what do you think this means for like you know masculinity? And he was like, the problem is is that like you know dudes are always trying to be macho and they're always trying to be like you know they're trying to be like that alpha male type guy. And he was like, but we have to go through some of this stuff too. You know, and he was like, the idea that, like, we don't have to deal with it. And he was like, I don't know if it was, he's like, I don't think it was a sexual thing, it's a power thing. 
they might not have any like sexual interest in you necessarily, but they, it's a way to show your power. And I've never gotten that kind of vibe from Luke Besson because he's worked with, you know, like you mentioned, like Lucy. If he was a scumbag, do you think Scarlett Johansson would have dealt with that shit? She probably no. would have whooped his ass if he tried to grope her or something, or you know, like, hey, I want you to do like a, a nude scene for me privately, me privately in my trailer. She'd be like, yeah, fuck you, I'm gonna break your arm in half. She you would. Know? Mean, she knows how to do it too. Like Scarlett's no bullshit. I just don't think that. It, because like you, you know, Scarlett hasn't said anything like, "Oh yeah, well you know he like touched me," or you know Mila, who was married to him, never said anything like, "Oh yeah, you know he's like an abuser," you know he's you know he's like a, a rapist or anything like that kind of stuff. So I'm like, I think that you know, well, it's it's all about perception in a lot of cases, and I'm not saying things didn't happen to people or th- things didn't make them because it definitely did. I mean, we're not saying that the, all this stuff is lies, but yeah, you know, most of it, I, I, I believe, and I'm I support 100. percent I mean, I don't I don't know what you're going through, so I'm not going to pretend to yeah, know what you're going through because I, I hate when people do that. Yeah, uh, thoughts and prayers, I got you, and stuff like that. That means literally nothing yeah um we don't know that life because we're not women in hollywood yeah right so we can't even understand we just we're just hopefully two dudes in a yeah. shed <laughs> two dudes in a shed hopefully we're on the right th- th- uh, side of things and we're doing what we can not to be part of the problem yeah that's all we can do but um um other people that have been accused like the Z's Ansaria situation or whatever there was two different perspectives, and she was uncomfortable, but he thought that a great time happened, and there was really no wrong side there, because yeah. he didn't do anything, she didn't either. She just had a bad time when he thought they were having a good time on the date. Yeah. But that shouldn't be news. No. That happens to normal people every day. The only reason anyone knows anything about that is because it's disease. Yeah. If it was anyone else, if it was me or John, no one would even give a fuck. Yeah. I've had bad dates before that didn't do anything. Did you, know? you go to Twitter? No. <laughs> well, I don't. <laughs> I guess that's what the new generation does. Instead of be like, okay, that's a bad date. Block this person. Just move on with my life. But the fact that he was a celebrity, there had to be a message sent. Yeah. That's why she sent it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was a celebrity. No. You know, and... uh I think that uh, sometimes when it comes to somebody like Luke Basson, he might be an easy target because he, he is kind of a weird, quirky director. I mean, hell, he when he was writing The Fifth Element, he thought it was going to be a comic book because that's what he grew up. You know, he kind of based it on a comic book style because he was a big fan of comic books. But people that maybe don't know anything about like the French comic book scene and they don't know how abstract and how weird it is, they watch something like Fifth Element and they're like, man, fuck this guy, he's just weird. It's like, there's a lot of people that do really weird shit. Like, if you watch something like 2001 A Space Odyssey where the first 40 minutes has literally no dialogue, if you don't know anything about that movie and you're watching this, you're like, man, fuck Stanley Kubrick. What the fuck is all this? Yeah, most people would probably you know? say that like when they're watching it's like, man, when's the movie going to start? Fuck, I don't want to see all these apes, man. I thought this was supposed to be about space. But he's proven a point. But if you don't know what he's trying to do, you're like, man, fuck this movie. This movie's awful. It's like 40 minutes and nothing but apes running around hitting each other with bones and shit. Yeah, but there's a different time then. People, like directors like Stanley Kubrick, didn't give a fuck. 
what you thought. No. <laughs> he was going to make what he wanted to make. Yeah, it was it was his vision. And the studios were going to let him make it. Because he was a proven box office success. Yeah, but so it, it didn't matter. Like, he wasn't making the movie for you. He was making the movie for him. Yeah. And then if you liked it, great. Yeah. And that's <laughs> the thing. Luc Besson makes the movie that he wants to make. And if you like it, cool. If you don't like it, then fuck off. That's why people... I mean, his movies make money. It's only the butthurt people that don't understand his movies or think it's too weird that are like, man, fuck this guy. How does this guy stay in Hollywood? He stays in Hollywood because he makes money. Let's not forget that he also like wrote like all the Transporter movies, too. Yeah, Transporter. You know? That's that's his that's his baby. So yeah, him and uh, Robert Mark Kamen. That's like yeah, his uh, his writing his like writing his boy partner and like his uh, producer. Yeah, you're my boy, but, Robert Mark Kamen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, so uh, moving on from Luke Besson, right? Uh, number two, and you're gonna like this one. The Fifth Element is a low rent Blade Runner. <laughs> What? <laughs> I, I had I, I probably should have kept a counter of how many times Blade Runner was dropped in these comments because I probably had ten separate people that mentioned it. So this is me boiling it down a lot. Have they ever seen Blade Runner? I don't think people understand what the fuck Blade Runner is because it's definitely nothing like this. The only thing that I could possibly the flying see cars like they flying have flying cars, cars and neon shit in the future, like neon like type of cities in the future. That's the only fucking things that are anywhere close to the same. The, none of the plot is at all. Corbin Dallas is not Deckard. You no, know? like no nowhere in that. Like it, it's just nobody. <laughs> I mean. There's what? really not even, like, androids or anything in this movie. I mean, you have, like, robots and shit, but you don't really have androids in this movie. Most of the people you see are either aliens or humans. Yeah, you know? I mean, maybe... But, do they not know the difference between robots and androids? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's just the first sentence. I'm not did even they think, reading. Did they think uh, the diva singer was Deckard? Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah, that's what they thought. Because Deckard was get blue. It. Yeah, blue Harrison with the Ford dreads. hated the blue makeup yeah. and everything. Sung really good. Yeah. Had that cool dance. I get yeah. it now. Had like, a, like, it. I had like a 12 octave range, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, which is beyond human capacity. Yeah, neon signs. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all that totally, shit. Totally, <laughs> totally. And Ruby Rod, that's from Lord of the Rings. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like when they get into, uh, when they get into the Mines of Moria. yeah. It's Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> that's a direct. That's a direct ripoff out of the book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just stole this fucking movie from Lord of the Rings, right? It'll be, <laughs> it'll be like, uh, you know, what what what's that sound? It'd be like, I don't know what that sound is, but it's super green. <laughs> super green. <laughs> super green. Um, Chris Tucker like, was amazing in this movie. Oh, we have an entire paragraph about Ruby Rod, so we'll get into that. Uh, these motherfuckers see. better check themselves before they diss Smokey. Right. <laughs> How the hell you gonna get fired on your day off? <laughs> no, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so, I'll continue with it. Uh, the, it says uh, the fifth hold element... Hold on, hold on. I gotta say one more thing. Friday sucked after. <laughs> <laughs> Friday, yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. Know, They're next, still good. Next They're Friday good. was pretty good. They Friday after next good. was... Mm, <laughs> I mean, At least you still get Ice Cube, you know. You still get Ice Cube, but at that point, he's not really Ice Cube, like NWA Ice Cube. No, nah, he's, uh... He's all melted at that point. Yeah. <laughs> he was just about... He went about, all soft and make kids' movies. He was just about making money, you know. He already knew his signs. He could say his lines pretty good, and he could do that little sideways, like, what you saying, face? Yeah. 
You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, you guys can't see me because this is a podcast. Right, yeah. You, so know, that you visual, know the face he makes. Yeah, the visual thing that Steve just did did fucking nothing for anybody listening. But I think he even <laughs> does it in Ghost of Mars when the, like, the ghosts are coming. He's like, what? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ice Cube, the originator of the what the fuck face. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> but uh, it says the fifth element is Blade Runner for the 15-year-old crowd. It is a dopey, multicolored mess, a sci-fi movie for people who don't like to think too much. The visuals are merely stolen from Blade Runner and many other better films. Don't buy it. Don't rent it, even. Piggyback on somebody's passion for Bruce or Mila, appropriate and, or Mila as appropriate and see it. Then go watch Blade Runner and compare. All of the bright colors and ridiculous outfits were completely unbelievable, and I mean that negatively. The costumes are, well, Jean-Paul Gaultier. Not designed in any way, shape, or form to be worn by anybody. Imagine a real police officer trying to lumber around the outfit he designed. The military uniforms are something out of a cartoon. Maybe that is what Gautier wanted, namely to play with different, uh, g- different gestal. I don't know exactly what that word means, but, uh, but whereas it might work for a fashion or art show, it does not work uh, here where there has to be some semblance of reality with people really living with these outfits and clothes. Having gadgets jump out at, uh, at one from every side or come out of every orifice does not make for interesting scene. Gautier seems to ascribe to the philosophy, more is more. It ain't. It just adds clutter. <laughs> so, you trying to look up that word gestalt? Or gestalt? Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Somebody also used the word uh, denouement on here, and I didn't really know what the fuck that was. I had to Google that. Because when people start using like these uh, French terms, I don't know it. An organized whole that is perceived as more than the sum of its parts. Okay. I think he misused that word. Uh, to play with different gestalt. Huh. He To play with different an organized whole that is perceived as more of the sum of its parts. I guess? I don't know. Does that work? Basically, what they were trying to say is they thought the costumes looked stupid. <laughs> but... I think he just thought that word, that word worked there? Yeah. People are always, like, super intelligent whenever they write on IMDb than they are in their actual real life because they will go onto the dictionary and find words so that they sound really super intelligent when they make these comments. But yeah, we're we're not dumb, but you know, we went to school a long time ago and we don't right. normally use some fucking outlandish words. We'd probably just say that. Yeah. You know, like use more pieces. It's just easier for everyone to understand, uh-huh. especially when you're trying to make a podcast that everyone wants you we want everyone to listen to that doesn't have to have a PhD. Yeah. Uh so you know, if you're looking up words while we're talking, then this that's boring. Right. Um but the whole I thing about people hating on Jean-Paul Gaultier, it's like, for one, he's probably one of the most famous like fashion designers ever. I mean, he's done stuff for, oh, God, he, he did stuff for, like, Victoria's Secret, if I remember. And he, I don't have, like, his resume in front of me, but he did a lot of different, like, right. fashion things. That's why Luc Besson hired him, because not only is he, like, a French designer, but he also would have the vision to be able to make something like this really stand out. Because that's the one thing about the fifth element that you can never take away from it is the costumes are very, very distinct. 
if you see a character wearing white bandages like Lilu does, you know immediately that's Lilu's costume from the beginning of Fifth Element. You cannot mistake that for anything. No, you, know? you can't. And very, very sexy. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Especially and, when it's Mila wearing it. But yeah. Uh, and also, like the Blade Runner thing, that it looks like it. This guy's never seen Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It's gloomy. It has neon signs. But it looks nothing like Blade Runner. No. Like, not even close. There isn't even really scenes of this that take place at night, really. Yeah, it's all day. Fun, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's... Yeah. Yeah, wow. Also, there's no McDonald's in (laughs) Blade Runner. And there's, like, McDonald's all over the place in Fifth Element. (laughs) They they needed that sponsor money. Right. But uh, but just when you look at, like, the costuming, just, you know, for even somebody like Zorg, like, his, like, like pinstripe suit like that, like, only Gary Oldman could wear that shit and make it look really super pimp. Because you Jean see Baptiste, that... Jean-Baptiste, Emmanuel, Zorg. Zorg. Yeah, because when you see Zorg in the movie, you're like, man, that dude, like, he's got, like, a really cool, like, suit that he wears. But, you know, even... Like what eventually Leela goes into, where it's just the white T-shirt with the orange straps, and then she has the gold pants and the boots. Right. That's like, if you show that picture to anybody, they would know immediately who that character is because they're like, oh, that's Leela, Fifth Element. You know, like you cannot mistake that for anybody right. else. You know, even like Ruby Rod, like he has like his like his leopard outfit. Yeah, he has you like definitely his, can't mistake that. Outfit. Yeah, he has like his rose outfit where he has like the red roses and shit and. Like, all that stuff. And, you know, part of me is like, I think that's one of the things that makes this movie stand out like it does, is it is uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier's, uh, his, like, fashion style and everything. Even Zorg having the plastic shit on his forehead, you know, it's, like, unique because everybody stands out in this movie. I mean, even the robes he did for the for Ian Holm and the, uh, the, the Apprentice Kid, like, even the robes look really cool. Yeah, you know? but you know, now that I think about it, this is all Luke Besson's fault, all this hate. You know, whenever he's sitting in there in the production room and stuff, and he's talking to everybody, he's like, let's make sure, you know, in the future, whenever there's all these, when there's Twitter, uh, let's make sure that there's no hate and all these um, social justice warriors attacking my movie. So let's go ahead and make sure everyone's happy. Oh, there's neon signs? We can't have neon signs because... Blade Runner it was obviously Blade Runner. has a monopoly on neon signs. There right. has never been neon signs in a movie before Blade Runner. Yeah. So we every... can't do neon signs. Right. I think there was a movie where someone had orange hair, so she can't do that. She can't do brown, blonde, or red either, because those have all been done before. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's just give her every color. Um, no, you can't have your face. No faces. No yeah. one can have faces. <laughs> yeah, because uh, if we have Bruce Willis in this, everybody's gonna think that you know we're we're like ripping off Hudson Hawk. <laughs> Somebody did make a comment on here about they thought Hudson Hawk was better than this movie, and I I was like I I physically laughed. I, I don't remember if I saved it, but somebody was uh, like I like the Hudson Hawk better than this movie. Hudson Hawk is a fun movie. But it's, it's not better than The Fifth Element. No. <laughs> it's just no way or form better at all. I yeah. mean, it's just not possible. But I, I think that, you know, people that want to say, like, it rips off from, like, Blade Runner and stuff like that, it's like, I mean, if you're talking about 
you know, shit like futuristic uh, environment with like neon city signs. You, I mean, there's just no fucking way that you can compare like those two movies. Like, there's just no way. If you're doing that, you're making the most miraculous leap ever in the history of cinema, because you can't put these two movies up next to each other and they look anywhere fucking close to the same. Yeah, you know, Beetlejuice like, had a neon sign in it. Did no one use that? Did yeah. Beetlejuice not be able to use that either? Oh, Beetlejuice also used uh, black and white stripes, and then eventually the family, you know, Adam's family used that for their characters, so they ripped off Beetlejuice. Yeah, totally. Like Fuck. same, basically the same story. Yeah, it's exactly the same story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you remember the part in Adam's family where they were like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pugsley and Wednesday did that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was Pugsley and Wednesday. It would be awesome if that was a crossover movie. That was just about to say. If Beetlejuice and Adam's family, like, if Beetlejuice was in the Adam's family, like, he got summoned by the Adam's family. Yeah, wouldn't that uh, be some shit if, like, if, like, Pugsley and Wednesday came across, like, an old book in the catacombs of the Adam's mansion, and they were like, what's this? And they're like, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And he yeah, shows up. It's showtime. And it's like, and it's actually Michael Keaton, and you're like, holy fuck! Really? <laughs> Is this shit really happening? This is awesome. Adam's family crossed Beetlejuice? <laughs> fucking seriously, Tim Burton, if you're ever listening to this episode, fucking try to make that before Michael Keaton gets too fucking old to be Beetlejuice anymore. Yeah, which apparently won't be anytime soon, so yeah. you got at least another 10-year window. Because he only looks straight. like he's aged about 10 years in about the last <laughs> Since 30. Batman. <laughs> right. In 30 years, he's aged 10. Like, it's fucking crazy. Kevin Costner looks 15 years older than him. Mm-hmm. And he's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. But anyway, so uh, number three, right? Uh, a race of aliens who are half guardians of the universe and half turtle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. The Mondo Shewans, like as soon as I read that, it made me laugh because of like, they don't really look like turtles except for like their backs, which are kind of look like a show. But I'm like, I was just like, that made me laugh. I had to, this gets better. That was good. That was good. Uh, They do, they wear the goggles because it was more, it was least expensive for them to put the goggles over their costumes than uh, trying to make eyes. Yeah. Because under it, there's human eyes because there's Uh people in those. Yeah. But they just put the goggles over it. Yeah. And they had like monitors so that they could see. Yeah. Uh, But it says, uh. Uh, a race of aliens who are half guardians of the universe and half turtle and trust the, a secret to generations of, of humans. Four carved stones representing the four elements of water, fire, earth, and air, which when combined with a mysterious fifth element will keep the ultimate evil at bay. This ultimate evil apparently threatens the earth every 500 years, the most recent attack being in 1987 when Jethro Tull won the Grammy for Best Heavy Metal Album. <laughs> <laughs> laughed out loud when I did that. I was like, okay, touche, sir, whoever wrote that. Because that's pretty funny. But the other thing, too... I think that, this guy uh, was just practicing his stand-up. Yeah, it was like, d- d- was this part of your material? You're like, I'm gonna put this on IMDb and just see if anybody like upvotes this, yeah. or <laughs> thumbs it up because I might use that for my routine. Because yeah. it's like, okay, pretty good. Uh, also, Hannibal Burris. Was this Hannibal? Was Hannibal Burris trolling on IMDb? Um, but it says. Uh, uh, also, by the way, fuck Jethro Tull. How the fuck can you win Best Metal Album over Injustice for All? Go fuck yourselves with your own flutes. Go. Fuck totally yourself. deserved it because they're still relevant to. No, no, they're no. Not. 
Does anybody really remember Jethro Tull? No. Who no, I thought I thought everybody. Jethro Tull was the person from the uh, um, Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> but I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was uh, there was a Jethro in Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, but anyway, uh, moving on. It says uh, it can't be categorized as sci-fi since the science is as good as a Duck Dodger cartoon. And there lies another problem, since the fifth element tries to be funny like the cartoon, but it's not even remotely that. Science fiction mixed with the fashion world can only work if there's some respect for the deep side of the sci-fi. I mean, some scientific theme or logic concept. But in this case, it's just a freak universe with anything uh, less a real piece of brain. Uh, It's like really, it's like badly worded. But anyway, more than 20 years... I've been reading. <laughs> not, That's not, verbatim. That's not, verbatim. I copied that like they wrote it. More but than you, 20 years, I've been reading. But you ain't watching, been writing. And I'm watching science fiction. But this is maybe the worst movie of sci-fi I've, I've ever seen. It is not a serious sci-fi movie, as saving the world is not supposed uh, is not supposed to all unlucky souls that watched either uh, either Independence Day or Armageddon to be fun at all. This movie is an action flick set in the future, sort of like Die Hard 2020. <laughs> Which I'd watch. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Was it? I, I seen them talking about like fun and goofy or stuff like that. I mean, that's what movies are supposed to be. Like, so yeah, he he's just kind of like in his what what do you say like action and uh, um, what was the part? Uh, it's not fashion. Uh, yeah, it says uh, it. Uh, uh, where was it? Uh, science fiction mixed with the fashion world can only work if there's some respect for the deep side of the sci-fi. Yeah, get your shit together, Lady Gaga. Right, yeah. Fuck but, <laughs> uh, I mean, but wouldn't we watch something that was written by Lady Gaga? I mean, I'm pretty sure we would. Oh, yeah. And you can get, Starring, like, yeah. and you know that, like, you know, Janelle Monet like, shit that's, you know, like, sci-fi and, like, androids and science fiction and stuff. You could totally get her to do something with, like, Lady Gaga. That would probably make, like, a billion dollars. Yeah, I'd watch it. If it was, like, Lady Gaga, Janelle Monet making and a Beyonce. And Beyonce, yeah. As the star. Right, yeah. I don't you know. know. <laughs> like, have, like, a very powerful, like, Lady Gaga does a soundtrack starring Beyonce, Janelle Monet. Boom. Yeah. Billion dollars. Jenny Slate. <laughs> comedy relief. You gotta have a comedy relief. Right, yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, Which just put, just put Aubrey Plaza in it. Aubrey Plaza is even better. Right. But uh, the anytime somebody, anytime Bruce Willis does an action movie, everybody automatically compares it to Die Hard. Is there anything about this fucking movie that relates anything to Die Hard except for Bruce Willis? No, well, well the one, and him one wearing time, a tank well, top. Well, whenever he was at uh, uh, the, you know, um, up in the building, and he's like, "Welcome to the party, pal." Yeah, that was a little like Die Hard. You remember that part? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, that wasn't like in a, this movie. Yeah, <laughs> that was just in Die Hard. Yeah, uh, but or where he's know. like, "Yippee ki yay, motherfucker." Yeah, he said. Yeah, he says yeah, it yeah. to the to the aliens. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, uh, he doesn't do that either. But yeah. wouldn't it be awesome if they did like a Die Hard movie where aliens invade it, and then John McClane fought them off? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think people see Bruce Willis in an action movie with guns. They're like, "This is like and, Die Hard," and wearing a tank top, and they're like, "Oh, this must be like Die Hard in the future." 
It's like fucking no. No, Some people it, are so stupid. People are just like, they will just reach for any fucking stupid shit that comes across their brain. I'm sorry. This, this is just like Die Hard. No, this fucking isn't. This is the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. It's like people are just <laughs> stupid and they're like, oh, well, this is kind of like Independence Day or Armageddon. Fucking no, it's not. You bet. You new generation of actors and actresses better buckle up. You can only ever be in one good movie, then you're fucked. Yeah. Because then they're like, you're playing the same character in every movie because of your face. Right, yeah. And then same people get pissed at Johnny Depp for, like, covering his face for half his movies. Like, what does he show his face? It's like, because he's playing characters. Isn't that what you yeah. want? No, I want to see him. He has face paint in this movie, so fucking deal with it. Yeah. But the same thing that they, cr- they critique these people about, they critique Johnny Depp about the opposite stuff. Because he does too many stuff that's just character-based, like, where he just... Doesn't even look like Johnny Depp. Yeah. I mean, I think to a yeah, because even like Blow, he didn't really look like himself that much. No, especially at the end when he's like fat. It's like, Johnny Depp's not fat. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's Carl Jung. But, uh... It's George Jung, isn't it? Is it George Jung? Is it George Jung? I think it is. Because there's there's another Jung that's like, he's like a a psychologist. Which one am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the cocaine one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You might be well, coked it. Neil Young. Neil Young. <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll just meet in the middle. The cocaine one. That's Neil Young. <laughs> oh god. Oh man. That's uh, that's pretty fucked up. But okay. <laughs> but I, I see. I saw people constantly get like butt hurt about how this is. <laughs> no, that's good. About how this is. Uh, this is like a bad sci-fi. And I'm like, what's the criteria for science fiction? You know, it has to be science and fiction, right? Yeah, exactly. It has to be a fiction, and it has to involve some kind of science. They do have like flying, like not flying, flying fucking cars in this movie, and they have the ability to like jump through, like you know, like their ships can do like a, a warp or a hyperspace type of thing. Like there's that. You have aliens involved. But it's like people have this like idea that like every science fiction has to be like two thousand one or it has to be like uh, I'm just trying to think of something. And what's the difference? Uh, because this is actually pretty interesting. What's the difference between science fiction and fantasy and movies? So I had an answer for like a second, but now I can't think because of it. Because science fiction's based usually based off science theory. Right. Like theories of scientific stuff, most of the stuff, 100% impossible. You'll never see it, ever, in the history of this entire planet. Um, fantasy is stuff that isn't possible, scientifically or otherwise. And it's usually doesn't even take place on the, this planet. Right. A lot of it, you know, like Harry Potter's technically fantasy, but it could also pass as sci-fi. Maybe. Um, because some of the stuff that they have, they have flying cars, which runs off magic. But, um, you know, we know it is possible to eventually have flying cars. But fantasy is supposed to be like magic-based or some type of, you know, weird world-based and then... Um, sci-fi is supposed to be like our idea of what science could be. Right. 
because you can't really have a science fiction movie based off real stuff because you know that's uh if it's possible then that's not science fiction yeah like apollo 13 that's not science fiction yeah, that's science facts. That's, the that's science facts. <laughs> <laughs> that should actually happen. Yeah, that's science facts. real fact. astronauts that had something fucking terrible happen in the middle of a mission and had to fucking get home. No, we didn't. Never landed on the moon. The Shining was Stanley Kubrick's apology for faking the moon landing. Because of that one scene when the kid's playing with toys. Right. Sound like fucktards. Right. <laughs> And the, the little boy in The Shining had Apollo 11 on his on his sweater. Yeah. You know. Then he rised up and they're like, see, that's proof. It's like, you're a retard. Yeah, you know that Kubrick is fucking with you, right? <laughs> he probably, if you knew anything about Kubrick, he loved to mess with your head. Yeah. That's what every one of his movies was about. Yeah. Was messing with your head because he was smarter than you. Mm-hmm. So he, he probably heard about that rumor and then like, okay, I'm putting this in the movie. <laughs> right, yeah. And they'll be like, why'd you put in the movie? And he, he might even, in an interview, said he faked the moon landing. Right. Because he wants you to go watch his movie. Yeah, to see if it's <laughs> like, oh, I put clues to the to how we faked it in, in The Shining. And he were like, oh, fuck, I gotta go get this movie because I gotta see what he's talking about. But, and it's like, see the little boy's wearing a sweater that says Apollo 11 on it. But watch Adam Ruins Everything about how faking the moon landing is impossible. It's impossible, yeah. Watch that episode, and then maybe you'll be enlightened. Also, if you're a real American, you know that we landed on the moon. If you're and not you American... And you wouldn't even question it. You if you're question it, you're a communist. Right. But we still do that, right? Go we back to communists. Go back to fucking USSR. <laughs> go back to the Soviets, bitch. Go back to the Soviets, motherfucker. Yeah. Go live in Moscow. In <laughs> Moscow. <laughs> Riding on Putin's dick. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> So, so uh, uh, you know, jumping off of Putin's dick into a new topic. <laughs> Steve almost spit all over his whole microphone right there. Oh, man, that took a lot of resistance. Right. Okay, so, but anyway, uh, on to number four. Uh, note that this movie may excite any male science fiction fan but completely sabotage every female science fiction fan with the comparison in this film of male versus female. Every female in this movie either gets beaten up, killed, or is sexually depicted, if not molested. What? All males in this film are either strong heroes, supervillains, or hard-ass punks. So what's the deal? Right after all, the heroine of this movie is female, and they also spend heroin like the drug, by the way. <laughs> uh, the truth is that even she is illustrated as weak in most other ways, save from her one moment at the end. I wouldn't see this movie again if they paid me to. Where's the Princess Leia that stands up for those who cannot fight for themselves? If this movie passed itself off merely as a goofy comedy, this, this sexism wouldn't bother me. However, the fusing of crude humor with attempted seriousness about love and saving the world leaves a nasty taste in your mouth. So, <laughs> so they think this movie is sexist because right. the main character, which is Mila, uh, and Corbin Dallas multipass. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, a multi-pass. <laughs> it's a multipass. It's a multipass. I don't think you can get any stronger than Lilu as a independent female character than this movie. And if they're referencing the Ruby Rod 
scene where he's like eating out the girl um that was just you know a hilarious scene between chris tucker and that really hot chick right and it was just it was very interesting scene you know it was just something to show you more of the ruby rod character right um and and we'll have more about you know ruby later but the thing that I think, because I saw some people that were talking about, like, okay, so in this world, every stewardess uh, that they have, even the girls who work the, the front booth that does the ticketing and stuff for the ships, uh, they all are, like, really gorgeous women in, like, tight blue skirts and stuff. So all the stewardesses are, like, treated like sex objects, right? Uh, they said that every girl, every person who's working at the McDonald's is a cute girl with her cleavage out mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff and that kind of thing. But it's like, but in real life, when you walk into a Hooters and you see girls in like tight little orange, you know, uh, shorts and like the little Hooters shirt on and you're like, yeah, yeah, she's really cute. You don't think like, man, this place is full of sexism. Cause let's be honest, that entire place is sexist because if you're a dude, you can't be a server there. No, you you got to like be a cook or a manager or something. Which how do you become a manager of a place you can't even work at? Right, yeah, exactly. It's like how the fuck how the fuck are you supposed to be a manager unless you came from a different restaurant? But you don't know how Hooters works. Like, say you worked at a Chili's just randomly. This is yeah. not brought to you by Chili's, but this, say you worked at a Chili's and but you go to work. Eat at their baby back uh, ribs. <laughs> don't be a baby back bitch. <laughs> don't be a baby back bitch. <laughs> But uh, my baby, my baby, baby. Yeah. Um, shit. Now I want ribs. Now, uh, now you get that that song stuck in your head. And we just sold some baby back ribs. Yeah. Hire chilies, us, chilies. Pay us some money. But uh, the the thing that gets me is that like people would would look at something like Hooters and be like, oh yeah, that's totally cool. It's just you know girls running around in, like skimpy shorts and tight shirts, right? You know and stuff like that, and they're serving food. And it's like in this reality, it's like. The idea that, like, well, all those stewardesses that work in the ships are just kind of like, you know, hot women with bob cuts and stuff like that. And it's like, how is it any different from how Hooters does stuff? Well, you know? I mean, in what is sexist about you seeing a lot of women working as stewardess? If anything, it shows that women in this world can definitely get jobs because they have jobs everywhere. Yeah, they and have it's jobs not like their jobs lab. are to bang everybody. Ruby, right. Ruby just seduces the one chick because she's clearly into him whenever he's doing the little, you know, announcing thing. When he's doing his, uh, when he's doing the, the outro of his show, yeah. Because she's like about to faint while like he's yeah. talking to her or whatever. So he's like, okay, yeah, that chick's into me, so I'm going to go, you know. Try I don't want one it. position, I want all positions. <laughs> <laughs> all positions. She's like, Mr. Rod, please, please take your individual position. I don't want one position, I want all positions. <laughs> uh... But, I mean, uh, there's a. You can look at anything and defy it as sexism, almost in any movie or anything you see. If that's what you want to defy it as in your head, right? But that's not the that's not the intention of that. So if you know anything about Luke Besson or any of his movies, if it looks like it's sexism, it's because that was intentional. But that didn't look like sexism. It wasn't intentional. Yeah. It was just comedy scenes. Yeah. And he was probably like, hey, we need more women on the set because we don't have... He was probably actually a guy trying to be progressive. He was probably trying to make sure he had more women on the set. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. 
but like one thing that you notice is that in almost every scene you see women working and doing something. You see women working on the president's ship because the president is out, you know, uh, doing like, or he's a, a kit member, like the president, he's not in the ship, he's still on Earth, right? He's not in the ship. Uh, sometimes I, I sometimes no, the I, president I, is in the ship. That's he's what okay. Space. That's what I thought. I was like, the president's in the ship with the uh, with like the other military guys, and yeah. the one military guy fires on Mister Shadow, and that's what causes it to destroy a bunch of the other ships. But yeah, the president's in a ship far away, though. Yeah, he's not and right on Mister Shadow. Yeah, yeah, Re- replace it. Yeah, approaching Mister Shadow. But there's women working in the ship. There's women working in the in the in the nucleo lab that rebuilds Lilu. There's women working at the McDonald's. There's stewardesses everywhere. And then there's women working at Zorg's office because there's, like, the secretary that deals with Zorg, you know, right outside of his office and lets people in and that kind of stuff. And the thing is, is that, like, you know, people are like, well, that's sexist because they're using them as, like, you know, service girls and stewardesses and secretaries and stuff like that. And it's like, there are women who actually do that in real life still to this day. Right. You know? It's not sexist to have a job. Right, yeah. <laughs> and like I said, Luke Besson probably wanted to do this in the movie, not because of it was really written in. He's probably like, we need to make sure we have women on the set. Because mm-hmm. this was in the 90s, and there was a big problem with women in the workforce, so he probably just hired yeah. them and then placed them. He probably didn't put as much thought as you guys did into this. Right. Because even, I mean, there's even, there's, there's like a woman that's working with uh, Monroe, which was pretty funny because he was like, well, you know, he's like, uh, she can accompany you as your wife. And he's like, I am not going. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no. And he like looks at her like, he was like, he like looks at her like a tits for a second. And he was like, why not? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, I'm just, I'm not going, man. I'm not going to go with her. And it's like, if you had a choice between that, like, like kind of like husky, like uh, Russian looking woman or Lilu, I mean, you take Lilu you yeah, know, every course. time, I mean, obviously. It's Mila, Mila Jovovich. But, uh, <laughs> I just think that uh, people thinking that this is like some kind of like sexist. It's like, this is just what the world looks like. We went and got food earlier today, right? Mm-hmm. There was a who was working at the drive-through window when you got chicken fingers for your son? A woman. It was a blonde woman. Yep. Yeah. And so, is that sexist? Oh, they got her at the window because she's like the the token pretty blonde girl at the a, window. What is she a servant? No, she has a job. She has a job serving fucking food to people at a drive-through window. You people know, people have jobs they right? have to do. Right. I mean, I mean you, you can you can sit there and get angry and twist anybody into seeming like they're a servant. Right. Anyway. Okay. So. But uh, we actually, we're doing several beers today yes. before I get to the next point. So the second beer that we're doing is another Samuel Adams, and this is uh, the Sam Adams Heifeweizen, if I'm saying that right, for any uh, German listeners that might know how to pronounce that correctly. Yeah, if you know how to pronounce it better than he does, because <laughs> I'm not going to try to pronounce yeah, that. Yeah, to me Hold it looks on. like Heifeweizen. Heifeweizen. Yeah. No, we need Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Um, we can get Sebastian Vettel. He knows how to speak German. Yeah, let's get Sebastian Vettel. Christoph Waltz are, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio probably knows how to do it pretty good. He does everything great. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I'm saying 2.5 stars out of 3 because it's a very good beer, surprisingly. Yeah. I don't know how they make this. It's probably got some kind of, like, German ingredients, you know. 
What's so. your German's ingredients? Because, you know, it doesn't give you any hints because the picture on it's like a boat with a cooler and some paddles in it. Yeah. So they didn't make it out of that. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they made it. <laughs> this beer was made out of rubber rafts. <laughs> rubber rafts, a cooler, and some paddles. Right, yeah. Drink up. Yeah. The Germans. Yeah, because, you know, just in case we want to liquefy a Yeti cooler, that's what you're drinking. This is made out of 100% Nazi souls. Yeah. <laughs> Drink up so they will never come back. <laughs> Brood in hell. Right. <laughs> Second reference to hell in this podcast. <laughs> right. Brood in hell. So Florida? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, are um are the uh warriors if you're LeBron Brown James. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I wonder if uh, in the middle of Cleveland they should start making, you know, if LeBron should start making brooms because of all these sweeps, you know? <laughs> I was about to say they should probably make a statue of a broom. Right. Because they just got swept. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, like, outside of, the, uh, outside of the, the Bulls facilities, you have a giant statue to Michael Jordan, you know, and you have, like, statues in front of, like, other places. In front of the Cavaliers, it will just be a giant fucking broom. <laughs> broom. We got swept. We got swept. <laughs> Better than Jordan. Jordan never got swept twice. Yeah. He never got swept. He never got swept. Yeah. Better than Kobe. He never got swept. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah. Deal with that, haters. But anyway, uh, number Better five. than Magic Johnson? <laughs> yeah, right. Nah. Yeah, he's not even better than Magic now. Yeah. Uh, with his age and everything. Like, he still would probably lose to Larry Bird, but, you know, uh, bad back and all. But uh, number Larry Bird could be in a wheelchair and outscore him. Right. <laughs> he just he just, he just rolls up the three point line and then just shoots it. We're like, what are you gonna do now, bitch? What are you gonna do now? With the <laughs> there's nothing you can do to me to hurt me with all your strength. Like you know, <laughs> he's like the Joker talking to Batman. Yeah. What are you gonna do with all your strength, huh? I can just shoot threes over you. It doesn't matter. Loser. <laughs> uh, but anyway, because you got swept. You got sweat? Uh, that's going to be like a meme now. It's like, you know, those things where it's like hashtag never forget and it shows, you know, you know, like terrible like national tragedies like never forget and then somebody just has a picture of like Warriors 4, Cavalier 0, never forget. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but anyway, uh, point number five. Of course, the most annoying character is the one with the bad orange dye job, Lilu. Can you think of a more annoying name than Lilu, by the way? She speaks an annoying fake language and generally chews, munches, and mauls the scenery. Her acting had me cringing. I mean, bad. Uh, the beautiful what? but otherwise extremely untalented Mila Jovovich is arguably the worst female actress of all time, as she again demonstrates here. I think her one-dimensional character in this movie is to hide her flaws as an actress. If you can't allow yourself to be swayed by none too subtle pressure, case in point, the drooling over Mila Jovovich transplanted from horny teenagers to teenage viewers in the audience into the movie itself, to like the movie for its appearance, watching this steaming pile of refuse is going to be torture. The embarrassing dunoma of Lilu, uh, becoming so upset over humanity's propensity for war this after she beat the hell out of a gaggle of alien bad guys. Guess that was okay. But being convinced by Dallas to save humanity for love. 
Yarg. They actually use the word Yarg in here. Lilu <laughs> learns about all the bad and nasty things in the world through a cyber Britannica and becomes morose. Oh, wow. Try walking through an American city sometime, hun. Come to think of it, isn't watching Bruce Willis act one of the bad and nasty things in the world? <laughs> right, right. No, Bruce Willis is amazing. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about Bruce here in a minute after we talk about Lilu. So, but uh, let's talk about Lilu. Yeah. Which is Mila. Uh, because, one of the best actresses. I mean, she. The, I mean, this is our Mila part three. Um. Yeah, because we did Ultraviolet, we uh, we covered her when we did the Three Musketeers movie as Milady. Milady. And then this is the this is the other movie that she was like really super known for because this is really what put her on the map. I mean, she well, had done like I think like commercials. Well, no, no, she was a right. model. She did. She was in the movie Chaplin with Robert Downey Jr. Oh, okay, yeah. This. She was in Dazed and Confused. Oh, right. Yeah, I do remember that, though. Okay, uh, yeah. She was in some other stuff before then. Uh, she was in an episode of Married with Children. Um, I don't remember that. Before then. I do not remember that episode either. No. Return to the Blue Lagoon. She was in I that. do remember that, though. Yeah. Um, then she did Fifth Element. And then she was in a Lenny Kravitz video. Yeah. Uh, after Fifth Element, they did a Fifth Element video game, if you guys don't remember. I actually had that game, too. <laughs> that game, just for anybody who's never played that before, that game was on the original like PlayStation 1. And it's got some cool moments, like when you finally get the ZF1 and you can do all the cool shit, like the flamethrower and the net and all that kind of cool stuff and the missiles and everything. Like, that's really cool. The platform jumping bullshit that you have to do on the level is fucking aggravating. And if you don't break your controller during that game, you have the patience of a saint. Because that game is fucking ridiculous as hell to do the platform jumping. I don't know if you've ever played it, Steve. I never played it. I fucking... As I, I love the fifth element. I had the game and everything. And there was good parts about it. And then there was a whole lot of bad about it. <laughs> that game is aggravating to deal with. It, it just It's one of those things where you're like, they had to make a movie tie-in game, and they got the license for it, and then they had no fucking clue how to do it. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, I was just... Uh, some of the other things that Mila did was The Messenger, the Jonah Arc story. Yep. Uh, she was in Zoolander, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Resident Evils. Uh... She's also done um episode of King of the Hill. Uh, That's pretty cool. Ultraviolet, of course. We just talked about that. Um, yeah, we did a whole episode on Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet was amazing. The Three Musketeers was amazing. I mean, she has done quite a bit of stuff. Zoolander 2, she came back for that. Um... She's a drug lord in this movie called Future World that's coming out, and she's going to be the Blood Queen in the new Hellboy movie. So, watch out for her on that. Yeah. Um. So I think the person that's playing Hellboy, just because I mentioned it, is that uh, David Harbor. Yeah, dude from Stranger Things. Uh, so it should be interesting. It should be interesting, but yeah, she's done a lot of stuff. She doesn't need. You guys to tell her if she's good or not. She knows she's good. Right. 
I mean, she has the career to prove it. She has the range to prove it. This is the Fifth Element. Probably is her best movie, though. But that's Acting not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying that that makes. She learned a whole language. Yeah, I don't think people realize that divine language that she speaks in the movie. She actually learned that from Luke Besson. She already knew. Uh, well, there's somebody else that invented the language. Luke Besson didn't. It's somebody else. It was a 400 word language. And uh, it's very complicated. And she learned it. She can speak it to this day. Mainly with that guy and Luke Besson because he learned it too. Yeah. Um, but uh, a lot of those people learned it. And uh, she could already speak four languages. So maybe that's what pisses you off. She's smarter than you. <laughs> and she's beautiful because she's a successful model. Mm-hmm. And she's a successful actress. Yeah. So you're probably just really jealous that you're, you know, 45 and, like, sitting in your shack. <laughs> Jack and Dick. Wearing shacks. <laughs> Wearing shacks that you got from Family Dollar. Right. Because <laughs> they used to sell them there. Yeah, and Walmart. I don't know if they sell them there anymore, but they used to. I think they used to have shacks at Payless, too. Didn't Payless have them at one point? I'm pretty point? sure they still have them at They Payless. might. But, uh, yeah. But I just think it's funny how uh, people always want to say that, like, she does a terrible job at acting or whatever. And it's like, is they, you know, because we, we, we defend Keanu Reeves, like, ad nauseum because we, we know what Keanu can do as an actor. And I feel like people treat Mila almost the same way, but, like, she's, like, the female Keanu Reeves. So I don't it's think like, people understand what acting is. I don't is. think they understand what acting is. Imagine what you have to do in this movie, right? Because just understand what Lilu is supposed to be. Lilu is supposed to be the perfect being that is designed to destroy evil, right? And when she's in that temple, she's the most dangerous thing on the planet. Fuck nuclear weapons, you know, fuck bullets, anything you can think of that could kill, you know, chemical weapons, everything. She is the most dangerous fucking thing on the planet, right? And she's, uh, she's an, like an alien creature, from what I can tell. I mean, she looks human enough. And she might be human, but her DNA is super, like, modified. Because even the, the doctor, when they're, like, wheeling just her hand that's holding on to the, what was left of the, the case that, like, got pulled away from her. Uh, when they're, like, rebuilding Lilu with, the, with just her arm, you know, he says that the typical... You know, human DNA has 40 memo groups, DNA memo groups. She has like 400,000 or something like that. Yeah, she's you perfect. Know? Yeah, because he was like, this just, like, it's just crazy how this being is engineered to be like this. And so she's a, a being that generally uh, doesn't have much to do unless it's like every 500 years she has to show up, destroy the ultimate evil. And, or what is it, is it 5,000 years? I think it's like every 5,000 years she has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because when they show up back before World War One, which is the scene you see with the archaeologist and, uh, like, Luke Perry's character. And then, you know, he's, like, he's looking at the temple and Luke he sees... Luke Perry should have been a bigger part of this movie. <laughs> they killed... The... But I'm father, they killed the professor. Aziz, light! Um, but... <laughs> Oh, the lights actually just flickered in here. Wow, that was weird. Wow, Aziz, um, calm your ass down. Yeah, son. calm your ass down, Aziz. <laughs> there, I used to work with a, a guy named Aziz, and uh, all the time I would walk by and go, Aziz, light! 
And he'd be like, ah, Fifth Element, Bruce Willis, yeah. Because he's from Bangladesh. Like, he's only lived in America for, like, 20 years. Yeah. So, he, he you know, he, he kind of understands culture really just from, like, movies. But uh, <laughs> I would always do that. I would just walk by and go, Aziz, light. Could <laughs> you imagine, like, the next generation of people that don't, like, don't grow up in America and they come and they understand culture from Twitter? Right, yeah. People are going to be, like, all kinds of fucking crazy. yeah. They're just going to think that our artwork are just nothing but memes. Yeah. And we, we speak to each other in all caps, and we, we, like, misspell words, and we call, like, significant people our bays, like, B-A-E. Yeah. Like, you know. I hate that. That's dumb. Yeah. I mean, and they're going to think that, like, our great art is fucking emojis. I think eventually like, what we're, we're, we're coming to in America is to just to create the most impossible language ever to speak. For anyone that actually wants to learn it. It's like, I learned English. It's like, did you? Do you know what any of this means? And they're like, no. No. That's not in... <laughs> yeah, it's like, what does fleek mean? It's like, I still don't know what the fuck fleek means. Yeah. And I've heard it for years. I have no fucking clue what it is. Trap music? I have no fucking idea what trap is. Unless they mean like, you know, the hood is a trap. But I still don't know what the fucking means. You know, like... That's the, okay. I think some things are just not meant to be understood. Right. I don't know what trill is. I don't know what hyphy means. Meaning mean of hype. life, trill, Cardi B. Right. What does any of it mean? <laughs> is um, any of that words? Right. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbunch. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbunch. Uh, but, um... I, I think... When people watch this movie, they think that, like, Mila's, like, overacting or something, and... Which, hold on, pause that for a second. Is that a thing? Yeah, overacting. Overacting? Because if that was a thing, Leo would be, like, the most overacted motherfucker ever. Yeah. I mean, that dude commits, like, 100% to a role. Yeah, I think what they mean is they're acting, and I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing it so good... That it Fuck looks fake, <laughs> yeah. And it's like no, but but that's but the thing about like Mila in this movie is not only does she speak an entirely different language for like roughly half of it, but she's also been completely reconstructed by a giant machine that can rebuild based on a few living cells. So her entire body has been remade from just her hand. Right. Right. She's in a laboratory facility that she's never seen before. She's seeing people that she has not probably seen in, you know, she hasn't probably seen, like, regular Earth in roughly 5,000 years. So the society and everything that she understands is because she's been dealing with the Mandoshiwans. The Mandoshiwans take care of her. They took her away from the temple to get her away from Egypt, and she's been traveling with them for the last, like, 300 or so years. Because, you know, for the past most of the 5,000 or so years, she's been in Egypt in the temple inside of a, like a sarcophagus type thing. And when the Mandoshiwans take her before World War I breaks out, she is on the ship traveling with them. She meets the, Plava, you know, the diva Plava Laguna, and she's just kind of traveling with them. When she comes back to Earth, nothing looks at all like what she knew from even World War I times. Right. You know, so she's, like, seeing flying cars. You know, she's seeing these, like, tiny, these giant tall buildings, and she's like, what the fuck? Like, she doesn't know, understand what any of this is, you know. And then she falls into Corbin's cab, and, you know, she's, like, you know, trying to explain yeah, the does. story. 
Yeah, right. I just had this big fair that fell in my lap, you know. Uh, but he, you know, she's like trying to explain to Corbin like what's going on. She's talking a language. She's just banging on the glass and all this kind of stuff. And she's trying to understand the world around her. And it's like it, what she acts is exactly how you would expect somebody who's never seen this before to react. Yeah, she nails it. Yeah. I mean, even just, like, things like just picking up on, like, the multi-pass thing. Like, I don't know if that's in the script. That might just be a Mila thing. Probably or is. She's like, she's like, Lilu Dallas multi-pass, you know. And then she's like, multi-pass. And then he's like, yeah, it's a multi-pass. <laughs> you know. And he was like, this is, this is my wife, Lilu. You know, we, you know, we, we met... Sparks flew, we, you know, we got married, you know. Like, Bruce Willis is trying to, like, play Mr. Cool about it. He's he's putting that classic Bruce Willis charm on it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, she knows. It's a multi-pass. You know, like, but I think that people looking at this, they're like, well, she's just, like, really, like, really animated and crazy and overacting and stuff. It's like, you have to understand the context. She hasn't seen any of this shit Ever. Like, because the way the world was when she was around around 1910, before World War One, that world has changed dramatically because now it's, what, 300 years after that? None of the shit that she knew makes any sense now. Right. You know? And she almost died, too, and she was rebuilt inside of a giant machine that, like, rebuilt her body. So she's also kind of reacting to the fact that her body has been, like, you know, rebuilt <laughs> with, like, biological material. You know, like, just imagine having to go through that shit yourself. You would have no fucking context about what's going on. Right. You, as an asshole watching a movie, you understand what flying cars are. You know what the fuck McDonald's is. Giant skyscraper buildings. Taxi cabs. You understand what all that shit is. Lilu doesn't. She's never seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Flying taxi cabs. Kick ass. McDonald's is poison. Right. Uh. <laughs> Enjoy your pink slime today. You know? <laughs> I remember that shit they used to say that like the chicken McNuggets were made out of pink slime. Yeah. You know, and it's like there's no fucking way you can get that shit from pink slime. Come on. This this shit isn't double dare. This isn't fucking Nickelodeon. This is food. <laughs> yeah, that's they make it out of the stuff they slime celebrities with. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just look at it. I mean, uh, the same ingredients. It's uncanny. Yeah. Just exactly the same. But uh <laughs> So if you want to get slimed, eat some McDonald's chicken McNuggets. And then shit on somebody. <laughs> and then shit on somebody. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to have so many sponsors that either hate slash like us. Chili's will be like, I love those guys. McDonald's is like, fuck those guys. They were talking about eating our McNuggets and then shitting on people. <laughs> Mainly your fucking Ronald McDonald statues. <laughs> <laughs> just go over and just shit on the clown. Yeah. We're not telling you to shit on the clown. Unless you can get away with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're not saying that, allegedly. Um, but, uh, so, number six. Can't we, prove it. Right, yeah. Uh, I wonder if Ronald McDonald's a juggalo. No. Would he be? No, he probably no. wouldn't. He wouldn't be He's down not with down the with the clown. He's not down with the clown. <laughs> uh, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, so number six. I can see him more of a Cardi B fan. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be more into Cardi B. Yeah. He likes, uh, you know, he, he likes, you know, Bodak Yellow. You know. <laughs> I don't and, know what the color that is. <laughs> no, that's the one of one of her songs, Bodak Yellow. Oh, I yeah. don't know. I don't listen to it. 
I thought that was a, uh, you know, Crayola color. Because he would have been, yeah, because he, he would be like, you know, in McDonald's singing like, these is red bottoms, these is bloody shoes, and, you know, because he's got the red clown shoes. Steve doesn't listen to Cardi B, so no. he has no fucking clue. Those of you who actually know Bodak Yellow will know what I'm singing, but anyway. <laughs> he's talking to you guys, not me. Yeah, Steve has no fucking context for this because he doesn't listen to her. Yeah. I listen to her, like, a little bit because some of her, like, beats are pretty good. And, like, some of her raps are pretty good, like yeah. Red Bars, but anyway. Is that a Cardi B shirt you're wearing? Uh, uh, yeah, never mind <laughs> the uh, shirt that I'm wearing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's actually Slayer. I'm actually wearing a Slayer t-shirt, yes. Yeah, I, I would like to have a t-shirt of just nothing but Nicki Minaj's ass. Like, because it would fill the whole shirt. Like, you no, that's do not enough else. shirt. You have to have a bigger shirt. shirt. Get like one of those like. Uh, We're gonna need a bigger shirt. Like one of those Gabriel Iglesias shirts. <laughs> and on Gabriel the, Iglesias and on the back. It just you know like one of those like Hawaiian right. Gabriel Iglesias shirts, and it just has like Nicki Minaj's ass across the back. Gabriel Iglesias, okay, the yeah. comedian. Yeah, Gabriel Iglesias. Okay, Not with I thought you were thought. For my head went to Enrique. Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> Steve was so confused. No, Gabriel Iglesias, the comedian, because he's a hefty, he's a fluffy guy. I get it, I get it. And okay. he's got giant shirts, but anyway. Not Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, so, uh, number six. It says, I hate this movie, but I hate Bruce Willis even more. Oh, well, Seems he like already perfect. hated he already hated Bruce Willis before he watched Right, movie. so uh, this is perfect for our show because this is what we're talking about. Somehow he manages in all of his movies to run around wearing nothing but a ripped t-shirt, an unshaved face, and suffering uh, and a suffering expression in his oh-so-pretty eyes. Oh, this sounds so like somebody's very jealous. Somebody's super jealous because they're talking about Bruce Willis's pretty eyes. He does have um, pretty eyes? Hater. Right, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this is more or less his only talent. He is through and through a bad actor, and I can't for the love of God even begin to imagine why some women find him charming and some guys find him cool. He is nothing but a creepy, uh, crappy actor, sorry. Creepy, who, crappy. <laughs> it's the same thing. A crappy actor who can't grow hair anymore. <laughs> like watching. Uh, wh- why are you going to attack his hair? <laughs> like, like, one, like watching one ego... Maniac teenage boy's wet dream of life. You are Bruce Willis, the only man in the universe who is not a quivering, whimpering coward. Naturally, you're the only one capable of saving a futuristic world in which even the McDonald's employees have the cleavage of porn stars. Mm -hmm. The only other guy in town who gets any chick, strangely enough, has stereotypically gay mannerisms. And you are entitled to, as your prize for saving the world, the perfect woman who is gorgeous and sweet and has literally the innocence of a child. Bruce Willis's character does not have a fraction of the charisma and wit that Han Solo had. So this guy's super jealous of Bruce Willis. Yeah. He hates gay people. <laughs> Apparently. Because he, uh, the gay people take all of his women. Yeah, and he's um, also super into Han Solo. He's super into Han Solo. Uh, pro- probably not the new one. But, uh... <laughs> And we haven't seen Solo yet, so we can't, you know, comment on no, that. No, I'm pretty sure if he hated the Fifth Element, he's going to hate he's probably going to hate the movie. new Han Solo. Just without even watching it, he's probably already posted a comment. Yeah, hashtag not my Han. Yeah, like we remember. haven't watched it, so we can't comment on it. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's just very obvious. And, and look, if you don't think Bruce Willis can act, you're an idiot. 
Right. Watch 12 Monkeys. That's one of my highest recommendations of what Bruce Willis can do. Yeah. Terry um, Gilliam. Terry Gilliam. Which is uh, weird because he's one of the fucking Monty Python guys and he created one of the most cerebral fucking science fiction movies ever in 12 Monkeys. And you're like, wait, this is the dude from, this is one of the guys from fucking Monty Python's Flying Circus? Like, what the fuck? When I learned out who Terry Gilliam was, I was like, wait, that's not the same guy who did 12 Monkeys. It fucking totally is. It is. He is. He's a, he's a genius. This dude's a really fucking talented. He also did the Brothers Grimm. Uh, movie, mm-hmm. so which is also really good. It's very good, but, but, but yeah, Bruce has been able to act for a long ass time. I'm not a big fan of Armageddon. Armageddon, I can you know, I can watch it, and the main reason I can watch it is because of Bruce Willis. It's not because of Affleck. Liv, Liv Tyler's Tyler is good. the bomb. Liv Tyler's good in that movie, you know. Ben and Affleck do... was the bomb in Phantoms, though. Right? Yeah, <laughs> bomb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Definitely not as Batman. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, but I think that I, the thing I think what sometimes people feel about Bruce Willis is that Bruce Willis is like the same character in every movie. People always feel that. Right. That like he's always the same type of guy. And it's like, I think what sometimes happens is people, they see somebody's like acting method and they they feel like oh you're the same character in every movie no the only thing that is the same is my fucking voice and the way my face looks everything else is totally different from like movie to movie but when you see someone in enough movies you feel like they're just doing the same character but that's not what they're doing that's no that's your mind getting complacent with it not Mm -hmm. them yeah uh they're playing different characters you're thinking of like Die Hard while you're watching his new movie instead of watching his new movie as a new movie. Yeah, exactly. So th- that's your perception of things, not his or anyone else's, unless they have that same closed-mindedness that you do. Yeah. You know, when I go into a movie, I can separate you know the Dolph Lundgren movies from each separate Dolph Lundgren movie. Uh, some things might even happen. Some of the plots might even be the same because some directors will hire him and be like, hey, we've seen you, uh, like, I think he has a movie called Sweeper and then he's about to do some movie called, like, Minesweeper or something like that. I, I, I forget, but I'm like, they're basically the same premise of the movie, but they're totally different. Yeah, because so, one of them is based on an old, like, you know, Windows game. Yeah, it's the Windows <laughs> game starring Dolph Lundgren. He's just going to punch him. Yeah. Look, I would watch that. Don't 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 judge me. Right. Yeah. Uh, you totally would. If they were like, we're making a movie that's based on the old Microsoft game that used to pack into Windows called Minesweeper, and it stalls, stars Dolph Lundgren, Steve would be like, I'm pre-ordering this shit right now on AMC yeah. Movie Theaters. Boom. <laughs> yeah, pre-order, done. I got my tickets already, bitch. Opening night, I'm ready to do this. It's like we sold one ticket to this Steve guy. <laughs> no one else watched this movie. Yeah. He bought 12 video copies, too. Like, right, he pre-ordered yeah. those. <laughs> yeah. And also, he, he bought, like, 12 seats so that he wouldn't have to worry about people around him. I don't think that's a problem, bro. Say, <laughs> like, look, Dolph deserves more than this. Yeah. Like, don't buy that fucking Infinity War 2 ticket. Come see this Dolph movie. Right, what the fuck yeah. are you doing with your life? <laughs> but you're not watching Infinity War 2? Yeah, I've already watched it. Yeah. <laughs> but but the thing that gets me is somebody's watching The Fifth Element, and the first thing that they put in the comments is, I hate this movie, and I hate Bruce Willis even more than I hate this movie. And it's like, 
He already hated... He was already going to hate the movie. Yeah, because you already hate Bruce Willis, so why the fuck are you watching a Bruce Willis movie if you don't like the guy? Like, sometimes I think people... Like, because people... Sometimes when I read in the comments, they're like, I wanted to give this movie a chance, but the actors are shit, and the story's stupid, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, if you don't like the actors in this, why the fuck are you watching it? We're not fans of Channing Tatum. That's not a secret. Do we watch anything with Channing Tatum in it? No. Maybe if like the Jump Street movies are on, I might watch that. Jonah he's, Hill. Because he's got it's got Jonah Hill in it, and he can do well as a comedic actor. We don't watch fucking anything else with Channing Tatum in it, and we definitely won't watch anything that he plays Gambit in. Fuck that. Steve loves Gambit. Like if he could, he would have a Gambit tattoo, which mm-hmm. and he might still get one. Who the fuck knows? You know. It could happen. He could. It could happen. He could fucking get a Gambit tattoo. You know. But he would definitely not watch that movie. 10,000 listens and I will get a Gambit tattoo. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're already over 1,000, so we just got 9,000 to go. And then Steve will get a Gambit tattoo. That is that is guaranteed. Right. But, uh, but that's the thing. It's like, we don't like Channing Tatum. But we don't sit there and watch his movies and then go on IMDb and bitch about him. I've never been on Twitter. I never went on IMDb. I never went on Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that. Yeah. And bitched about Channing Tatum or Fandango or any of them. You know. Can you do that on Fandango? I, I don't know. You mean you might be able to. <laughs> Probably now they're like, well, this is like uh, people love bitching on social media. So yeah. let's add a social media bitching place that you can just go in and. You know, and you can complain about Kelly Marie Tran and Star Wars and. Could you imagine <laughs> like the uh, well the older generations are the next generations after this being like they had it so hard in the two thousands, a movie would come out that was not up to everyone's standard and they bitch on social media. The struggle was real. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, well, people t- people talk about like the greatest generation of like you know what's the greatest generation like World War Two right people right. from the forties. Went through World War Two. The heroes that saved the world. Yeah, the heroes that actually saved the world <laughs> did the real shit, you know? And people that came out of that generation, like, they had to deal with Nazis. They had to deal with fucking, like, you know, Japan bombing us. Like, all kinds of hardships. What's the most difficult thing that you have to deal with now? Whether or not you can fucking be on Twitter for very long. Yeah. Like, if... That's what's so fucked up I about the world. I didn't get enough lights. I, I, I tweeted... I tweeted Dax Shepard. He didn't retweet me. Fuck him. Fuck this He's guy. He's a sexist. He, yeah. <laughs> right. But, like, the whole thing where, like, Kelly Marie Tran basically just, like, deleted her Twitter because she's, like, all these, like, crazy fucking Star Wars fans are talking shit about me. Yeah, actually, me and John have a public announcement about that right now. If you are one of those people that harassed her, stop listening to our show. Never listen to this again. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Please don't listen to us because you're. I, we don't want you. Yeah, we're beyond the hate. <laughs> and if you're going on the Twitter to talk about like how much you hate Rose Tico in the Last Jedi, and I hate Kelly Marie Tran. She's, you know, a terrible actress. She had a horrible character in the movie and all this kind of shit. It's like we love Last Jedi. As soon as we left the theater, we were like, "This is fucking great. This is fucking awesome. It was this a is a great really movie. It was great." And if you didn't like it, that's your opinion. But do not attack the actors. Don't attack the director. No. Don't even attack the writer. Maybe you should look at yourself. Right. Because the only thing about the Last Jedi that separates it from the Force Awakens, but it's because it's more original. Yep. And that's something. 90% of Star Wars fans just cannot stand for some reason. Yeah. I don't understand it. 
and and that that's ex- this is the exact point I was making with John and AJ on the Last Jedi thing. I don't think Star Wars fans will like anything original if they let Ron Johnson do it. Yeah, and they pretty much proved that. Yeah, and the thing about and that the... ruins it for all of the other one of us that want to see more. Yeah, and that's the part that I think gets me is that you have these like toxic fan bases that pop up now because remember like. Uh, and we're, we're still talking about Bruce Willis, but just to kind of jump out for a second, and this, I guess, maybe relates to Bruce Willis. It's like, back in the day when you liked a movie and you were into it, and then they were like, hey, they're making another uh, another one of that movie, you're like, cool. Like, when they had, uh, they were going to do the fourth Indiana Jones movie, they're like, it's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And we're going to be dealing with, like, you know, Area 51 and aliens and, like, the Soviet Russia and all this kind of stuff. Kate Blanchett. And you're like, it's Kate Blanchett as, like, a, like a Soviet villain. You're like, this is going to be pretty cool. And they're like, is Shia LaBeouf's son? You're like, eh, okay. I mean, you're still Harrison Ford. Shia LaBeouf's a pretty good actor. People fucking hated that movie so much. Because they're like, why the fuck do they have aliens? And I'm like, okay, you guys do realize that he's already had his hands on the Holy Grail and the fucking Ark of the Covenant. Right? Yeah, those, those things don't exist. Yeah, the, the, you know, and that's the thing. Like, people are like, well, why the fuck are they bringing aliens in? Like, aliens are any more fantastical or unrealistic than the Ark of the Covenant and the fucking Holy Grail. I mean, come on. They're fantasy movies. But people shit on that movie so bad because of Shia LaBeouf and they just shot the movie all to hell, and Harrison Ford's like, fuck it, I don't really want to do this again. But because he's going he got, to. But he got tired of the toxic fan base because he's like, everybody just complains about shit all the time. You know? Like, Mark Hamill and John Boyega had to jump on and be like, you guys are fucking terrible for what you did to Kelly Marie Tran. Like, seriously. And John and Boyega's it, become good friends with her because he's worked with her for so long well, on and that if movie. Mark Hamill jumps on and says that you're a terrible person, then, then you're, you're a, piece a terrible of shit. person. Because... He is probably He's one of the best people that you could even know. I was listening to just him talking in interviews to people, and he treats everyone just so just amazingly. Like it's just with respect, respect, and, and he'll sit there and talk to you for hours. And yeah. he's you know, he's so accomplished. He doesn't have he, any problem doing autographs. He'll take pictures with people. Yeah, he's and then, like awesome some people be like, "Oh, well, that's because he's not as famous as you speak." No, he's is insanely famous. Yeah, he's Mark fucking Hamill. He's Luke Skywalker. He's the Joker. He's the Joker. He he is everything about what our culture, like this nerd culture, should be. Right. And uh, he's not gonna let you trash her because of her character's arc at the end of the movie. Right. But that's gonna pay off. When you see it, you're like, that might have been Finn's ultimate ending, but maybe, you know, we want to see John, John Biega more. Yeah. You know, he's one of the best parts of the movie, and um, there's nothing that happened there that did wrong, but the point of Bruce Willis, which what I'm coming back around to, yeah, is that he gets criticized, too, for a lot of the stuff that he does in mm-hmm. movies, but it's not justified either, because he can act. And he has acted for years in lots of movies. You know, you mentioned Hudson Hawk. Some guy mentioned that. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. He uh, sung in it himself because he, he fancies himself a singer. Yeah, he uh, has so, his own band. <laughs> yeah, so does Sly Sloan, but that's a different story. Right, yeah. He's not as good of a singer. Yeah. Um, you know, because Bruce kind of has the Sinatra-style 
type of uh, range. I'm not saying he's Frank Sinatra, but he, he you know, he, he likes to do it. Um, he did, like, um, he's done some, some interesting choices. Um, and if you don't think he can act, just watch 12 Monkeys. Yeah, 12 Monkeys will show you exactly. Because That's exactly what he can do. Like, the, the Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. He acts he his ass off. He was fucking great in that movie. Give him a role that he can show you what he can do, and then he'll do it. Yeah, in this movie, he has to be kind of like a wisecracking, like, smartass, but, like, really talented pilot, and, like, you know, he was a military guy. That's exactly what Corbin was. He was a pilot, and he did, like, a shit ton of missions. He's got medals all over his apartment and all this kind of stuff, and he, he walked away from it because it destroyed his marriage, and he's been, he's been a cabbie in New York for, like, six months. He was casted for this role because of his charisma and his personality, which is yeah. amazing. And he can also do the action. And, you know, like, I know you guys probably heard about the expendable stuff, the problem with him and Sylvester Stallone or whatever, um, where he didn't come back for the third one. They, they pretty much had to replace him with Harrison Ford. But the deal with Bruce Willis was he was in one and two, and Bruce Willis wasn't being greedy. He was saying his character needed a bigger part, or he just couldn't justify showing up. Mm-hmm. Just to be in like. And five Stallone's like, movie. "Well, you're showing up, and you're making a lot of money." And Bruce Willis is like, "That's not what I'm saying. It's not this about is, the money. This, yeah, I need a bigger role, or I'm not going to show up for this." Yeah. And the same thing with Jean-Claude Van Damme. He was offered an original role in the first one as an expendable. And he was like, well, what am I going to do? What's my character going to be like? And all Stallone could tell him was, well, you're going to make a lot of money. And Jean-Claude Van Damme's like, I'm not asking you about how much money I'm going to make. I'm asking you, what am I going to do? Yeah, what is my character? Like, is he going to be in the whole movie? Do I get killed off? Yeah, and them two you know. had it out, and then he didn't end up being an expendable or in the first movie, and Dolph Lundgren had to sue that over because he's kind of like, he's kind of the person that's friends with everyone. Because he's sort of the glue that keeps everybody yeah. together. Because yeah. surprisingly, Dolph Lundgren is probably the most intelligent out of all of them. Right, and he he's the one that degree in like yeah. chemical engineering, and he's the one that's kind of the peacekeeper between uh, Sly Stallone and Jean Claude Van Damme. Right. Which, you know, give me a good Jean-Glaude Van Damme movie or, or a good Sylvester Sloan movie, and I, I think I take JCVD every time. I think that's my preference. Yeah, uh, probably. I mean, there's definitely some good Stallone stuff. Some but... great Stallone stuff. Like yeah. Creed, him as Rocky and Creed, amazing. But uh, I just think that sometimes Bruce gets a bad rap because people just think of him as like the diehard guy, and he does so much more than that but he will that's partly i think sort of the curse of bruce willis is that the one thing that he will always be remembered for is being john mcclain and doing the diehard movies this curse is that people will only ever think of him as being john mcclain in the diehard movies you know it's like at least harrison ford has a couple different things because he has indiana jones oh, and wow. he has han solo well he know? has but, even more than that because he has deckert Deckard from uh, yeah from Blade Runner and uh, the the um what is it uh Jack Ryan or uh yeah was he Jack, wasn't he Jack Ryan and yeah, like he uh, was. was it uh, Clear and Present Danger Clear and Present Danger yeah. and then what was it uh what, Air Force One Air Force One get off my plane get off my plane <laughs> but that's uh, the part of the problem that I think is sometimes people when they look at somebody like Bruce Willis they always think of well this is John McClane. 
and I see him in like a tank top. You know, he's Corbin Dallas in this movie. Totally different character from John McClane, and they're like they cannot shake the fact that he he he. They think that he's like John McClane in this movie, and it's like he's not. Corbin Dallas is nowhere near what John McClane is. It's a totally different kind of character. Like the only thing that ties them together is that it's Bruce Willis. He wears a tank top in both movies, mm-hmm. and it takes place in New York. That's it. Or there was Die Hard in Chicago. Wasn't it Chicago? Was this Die Hard take place in Chicago? The Nakatomi building is yeah, Nakatomi. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, Nakatomi building is in Chicago. Okay, so a giant like mega city, and he's wearing a tank top and he's Bruce Willis, and everybody automatically think, oh, it's Die Hard in the future. Die no, Hard. That's not what the fuck the Fifth Element is. Corbin Dallas is an entirely different character, you know. Like especially like when you have the fucking tweaker guy that holds him up at the door, and he's just like. He was like, lucky for me, it's not loaded. He's like, what do you mean it's not loaded? What do you mean? You gotta, Give me the cash! <laughs> you gotta press the... You gotta press the little, little yellow the button, button there the to arm it. And he's like, right. yeah. And he, like, arms it. And yeah. then uh, and then he, like, pulls the gun on him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and he's like, I like your hat. I like your hat. You like it? You like it? And he's just kind of, like, in the hallway, like, tweaking bad. Because he's, like, he's probably on drugs. And he's drugs. just kind of, like, laughing at right, him. Right, he's just kind of like, what a clown, man. And then there's also, like, the moment where, He you throws know, the gun in this pile of guns. Like, this guy's trying to rob him, like, every day. Right, yeah. Either <laughs> that or people just, like, he has other people that try to rob him. I, how know. I felt that scene when is that one guy That same guy keeps holding him. him up. That's why he has the hat that looks like the hallway. Yeah, Because yeah. he's like, the dude recognizes me, so I need to surprise him at the door now. You know? And, uh... <laughs> He's just kind of like, this dude holds me up, like, every day, and I always kick his ass. Yeah. Like, what's the point, dude? Like, you know you can't rob me. Because you just bring, like, a bigger gun, and I just I just do nothing but take it and, and like, send you away. Like, I think it's supposed to be, like, a, a Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd type thing. Oh, like, he keeps trying to shoot him, and he gets outsmarted? Yeah. yeah. Because, um, I think, uh, something I was reading was John Baptiste Emanuel Zorg's character in this movie was based off from... Ross Perot and Bugs Bunny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he's got the accent kind of like mm-hmm. Ross Perot. It's like that kind of like weird sort of Texas accent. And Gary Southern. Oldman hates this movie. Right? <laughs> oh, we're going to talk about Zorg here in a minute. But, um, but yeah, I just think that as far as Bruce Willis goes... Go. Okay. Okay, so five, four, three, two, one. So as far as... Zorg goes. I feel like we should go ahead and talk about Gary Oldman. <laughs> we should always talk about Gary Oldman. He's <laughs> probably talk about Gary Oldman. And like I mean, we could make this the Gary Oldman podcast. We would have shit tons to say. Oh yeah, plenty of uh, um, reference points for Gary Oldman. Right, but uh, number seven, right? Gary Oldman hams wildly as the villain as usual. Gary Oldman, what can I say? What is he doing here? He not only looks ridiculous, but is not menacing at all. One of the least convincing villains ever. All one really needs to know about this movie is that when Gary Oldman's character lies to the omniscient, all-powerful evil cloud, the evil cloud says, okay, and lets him off the hook. It's almost Python-esque. It seems the movie itself was just created to show off the E-network. It is a pity to see Gary Oldman being wasted in this movie. The E-Network? Yeah, and a part of me was kind of like, what? 
At what fucking point does somebody watch this and go like, well, this is just propaganda for the E-Network. What <laughs> the fuck? Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zord. Right. Uh, probably one of the most memorable villains I've ever watched. Yeah. Just 100% like the most memorable. I mean, he's... <laughs> Everything from like his accent to like his, his outfit... That uh, weird plastic shit he wears in his forehead for yeah. some reason. He's so memorable. He stands out so his much. His haircut. I mean, I just don't know how you could even write a villain better than this. And, you know, unless it's maybe Killmonger. But, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, Hashtag not my king. <laughs> not my king. Right. That'd be T'Challa. T'Challa. But anyway. Uh... <laughs> uh but I think that like people feel like he's wasted in this movie, and my thing is is that like Zorg is probably one of the things that really makes this movie because he is the villain, but you know also he it's such a unique character from like everything just from like the way he looks to his accent to even just how he interacts with people, you know the, because the, he can be cold and ruthless but he can also be like charismatic like when he's selling the ZF one. You know, and he's like showing the ZF one gun off to the uh, to the the Mandalores, the warriors, or is it Mangalores? I forgot. It's something like that. Because no, it's Mangalores. Mangalores, yeah. Because Mandalore is Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> which which happens in this movie? Because what happens is Picard's, you know, uh, uh, he comes out of warp. He comes out of warp. Obi Wan Kenobi kills one of their engines. <laughs> they crash land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they crash land on Sakaar. The Grandmaster takes them into the arena. Yeah, in the arena. Know, and and then, then Obi-Wan and Picard have to end up fighting the Hulk. And yeah, they have <laughs> to fight the Hulk. And then Zorg is up there with the Grandmaster talking about, I got these really, really cool um, shock things that basically take, like, gods down. Right, yeah. I really want to know what those things are made of because, I mean, they can, like, knock Thor out. So. Yeah, who's a fucking god, basically. But uh, <laughs> but I think the thing about Zorg is that, like, Gary Oldman says that he really can't bear to see this character anymore because I don't know if he's, like, ashamed of the character or maybe he got wore out of people, like, quoting him all the time and trying to mimic his accent or something. I don't know why he doesn't like this character unless he just feels like it's just, like... It it's... was a favorite role because Luke Besson financed one of his movies... Oh, and I think okay. I think he just felt like he had to do this role, and it's probably not the character at all. It's just about probably he's ashamed because he probably felt like he didn't put enough work into it, and that's my that's my personal point of view because he has a huge work ethic. Yeah, he does have a huge work ethic, and I think that in this particular character, maybe he didn't work as hard because he thought it was just a favor role. And he just kind of, you know, went through it. But he did a great job. But I think that's probably why he doesn't like it. Because he doesn't feel like he did as good a job as he could have done. Yeah. But still, even when you watch this, you're like, holy shit, Gary Oldman's, like, awesome in this movie. You almost forget that that's who this is because of, like, just how he how he plays Zorg. I mean, somebody even said, and I didn't save the comment because I was like, I don't know if it's important, but somebody said, like, why the fuck is there brown stuff running out of his forehead when he's talking to Mr. Shadow? And I'm like, okay, in, in case you don't understand what the fuck that's about, right? 
he's talking to the ultimate evil in the universe, basically, mm-hmm. right, on a phone call. So he's talking to Mr. Shadow, and he's like, I want those stones. Like, I need the stones because that's the only thing that that and the fifth element can destroy me. And he really puts home, like, I need the fucking stones, dude. You need to get those for me. And he's so terrified in that moment about what this all means that he almost has, it, it's kind of like a brain hemorrhage to yeah. a degree. Like, he like pops a blood vessel and he's, like, bleeding down his forehead. Now, somebody watching this is like, why Why is there fudge on his forehead? Like, that's not fudge. That's fucking blood, dude. Yeah, that's <laughs> blood. That's just the color of his blood. Yeah, he's... <laughs> and how uh, how cool would have it have been if the voice of Mr. Shadow was actually Ving Rhames? I just keep thinking that every time I watch the movie. Oh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I was like, well, how awesome would it be if, like, Ving Rhames was, like, the voice of Mr. Shadow? Right, that would be pretty cool. <laughs> or even, like, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. He would have made a good Mr. Yeah, Shadow because of his, how distinct his voice is. Yeah. Just imagine, like, Hugo really... Weaving. <laughs> yeah, just imagine, like, a really sinister Morpheus or, like, an yeah. even more sinister version of, like, Agent Smith. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, Shout-outs to Matrix May. Matrix May! Yeah, if you guys... Yeah. You, you guys, will get me those stones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Zorg, to me, it's like, even just, like, how he's, like, you know, we, uh, you know, what do you say? The, the one guy is, like, talking to him, and he was, like, you know, the it was, like, investors or, like, you know, like, the people inside of his companies. It's, like, you know, we, you know, they're suggesting that we should fire 500,000, you know, from one of the smaller companies, like, one of the cab companies. And he's, like, fire 1 million. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Just cold. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But if you know, you don't, you don't realize that, like, you know, Corbin Dallas, because a lot of people actually didn't put that together, that Corbin Dallas worked for Zorg. He worked for Zorg. Because all because when he's talking to the guy that there's like the 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 uh, guy that's bringing him his food at his apartment, he's like in his window and he's like eating and he gets that letter and he was like, no, nah. he's like the last time I got like a letter like this, it was like my wife was writing me a thing that said that she was leaving and then my lawyer sent me a thing saying that he was leaving to be with my wife, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and he was like, uh, he was like, he's like, well, he's like, you know, my father always said, you know, it, it doesn't rain every day. He was like, this would be good news or, you know, lunch is on me. He's like, well, then you read it. And he's like, you are fired. You are fired. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we are, we are uh, effective immediately like terminating your employment and then has a giant Zorg logo at the bottom of yeah. it, you know, because I don't think people put that together. Like you're saying, they're just kind of like, oh, so he just magically gets fired, so now he would be able to take the mission or whatever. It's like, then we got fired because the guy was suggesting, hey, maybe we should fire some people from the cab companies or from the cab company that we own. And he was like, yeah, fire one million, you know, whatever, just get rid of them, you know. And uh, <laughs> he just he just fires them because like Zorg doesn't care. I mean, he's trying to do this whole plot because this whole plot's based around the fact that. He wants to get the stones and get them to Mr. Shadow so that he can destroy pretty much the planet. And then what's the only corporation that's going to be big enough to rebuild it? Zorg Company, you know, because he just builds all yeah, this shit. Yeah, a lot of these people are going to be dead anyway. Right, yeah. So he's like, fire them. I don't give a shit, you know. He's like, whatever. Uh, it's not going to hurt my company. I'm still making money. And then, you know, I thought that was pretty poignant, like, when he's in his office and he does, like, his little thing about, like, uh, you know, he was, like, he pushes that little glass off of his desk and it breaks and all these little robots pop out and start like cleaning shit and sweeping things and all of this stuff and he was like 
you know, he was like, look at all these little things that are going right now. And he was like, think about all the people who work in these factories and build these. And, you know, and they have children and their children have children, you know. And he was like, he was like, and the circle of life just continues. And he was like, if anything, me and you are in the same business, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And then he takes that swig of the water with the cherry in it. And he's like, uh, and he starts choking. And he's and like, oh, you don't. You he's don't like, oh, where's the little robot to help? To help pat you on the back. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and he was like, "What about the, what about the, what about their children?" <laughs> what about their children's children? And he hits them in the back and yeah, knocks the cherry out or whatever. And he was like, "You can live, yeah, for now, yeah." And because, it's just like Ian Holmes, by the way, Bilbo, right? Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I thought that was kind of funny because he was like, he was like, everything that you have, all of your power means nothing. Because of a simple little cherry. Yeah. And then he just pops him on the back and he's like, <coughs> and it comes out. And then he kicks him out and he's like, it was like, you saved my life, so I'll spare yours for now. And then he kind of like slicks his hair yeah. back. <laughs> and you're like, man, that dude is like, he's just so creepy. But he also, like, he almost died and the priest took mercy on him. He could have just let him die and just like left. He probably would have got been, killed by the guards. It wouldn't have been very priestly of him either if no. he would have just let some guy choke to death in front of him, yeah. no matter who he was. Yeah, knowing what he's trying to do, because yeah. he knows that this is the same guy that was trying that was inquiring about the stone. So he has, you know, he basically knows that, like, hey, Zorg is basically, like, against me because he just kind of told me what he was doing. And he's still hitting him on the back to let the cherry out. Ian because, Holmes has been in so many good things, too. Right. But the thing that, you know, what's the thing that he says when he first talks to the president? And he was like, well, we're just going to, like, fire missiles at it. And he was like, evil begets evil. Yeah. He's he's, like, you shoot it, it will just become stronger. If he would have let Zorg choke, someone more evil would have rose up in Zorg's place and then done something else. Because he knows that, you know, that's not the way to... Evil begets evil. That's not how you win. Yeah. And so he's basically... Because how do you win? Love. Right, yeah, love, exactly. Uh, love, not hate. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, We are not beyond the love. Right, yeah. We are beyond the hate. Yeah. We are totally all about some love. <laughs> um, especially when it's Nicki Minaj's ass. <laughs> yeah, we love that ass. Love that ass. Uh, but anyway, uh, but I saved probably the best for last because uh, of the four kind of like main characters that people couldn't stand from this. Let's Ruby talk about Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod. Super green. Um, Super green. And I, I, Steve, I need you to step it up because you're, you're, what you're doing right now has no fire, no energy, no nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, number eight. So this is the final comment, right? I don't even want to comment on Chris Tucker's character, but I may never be able to attend any movie with him in it for the rest of my life. If this one, or in this one, he has to sport, uh, he has to sports the world's worst hairdo ever seen in a film. No, that hairdo uh, was tight. Uh, <laughs> it was tight. Uh, Tucker, who plays a RuPaul-type DJ called Ruby Rod, and he grates on your nerves big time. He grates on your nerves? Yeah. Watching Tucker, as effeminate as he is in this film, Making out with any woman that he comes his uh, that comes his way was, to my surprise, repulsive. The whole thing just doesn't jive. You'd think that uh, he would go after Willis, who wears that tight and padded orange muscle shirt for a good part of the movie. 
So I would have pissed that he didn't fuck Willis. That he wasn't gay. Yeah, I would have enjoyed this movie, especially the last part, without him and his many oh my gods and flaming hysterics. He almost single-handedly ruined the film. Two long rap sessions had me diving for the remote control to turn the sound off. Uh, Chris Tucker is supposed to be the comic relief, but I was hoping for one of the aliens to shoot him up in torture, and the torture would end. Tucker is lucky he didn't kill his entire career. Um, I mean... But the thing about this, like, people that thought, like, oh, well, he's just, like, he's super effeminate, so wouldn't he go for somebody like Corbin? It's like, no. When I look at this, I'm thinking of somebody like Prince, and I don't know if they base Ruby Rod on Prince... Maybe, like, loosely they... Because, like, Prince wears, like, super elaborate costumes. It looks like something a woman would wear, but it's Prince. You know, like, the dude, like, for real, wore, like, blouses. He wore boots with heels. Prince wore some effeminate stuff. But Prince could basically get with any woman that he wanted, right? Right. I mean, he was with, like... He he had relationships with, like, Sheila E. Apollonia. Like, he had, like, relationships with some women that were, like, pretty smoking hot. Like, all you have to do is go back and watch Purple Rain, and you're like, damn, Apollonia was fine as hell back in the day. Yeah, I mean, Michael Jackson, he's pretty feminine. He, yeah. you know, got down with some of the most beautiful women in the world. Yeah, I mean, um, but the I, I think people, they were like, this character is, like, too gay for my sensibilities. I don't know why he acts like this. It's like, it's like Ruby, if anything, he's probably, like, he's probably, like, the 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 highest end of metrosexual like he just dresses in like elaborate costumes and wears like dresses and stuff like that yeah, but he fashion. totally he totally like goes down on that one stewardess in the in the ship you know like he's still like a regular dude he just dresses really crazy yeah it's just for his character right. on the radio uh thing i mean he even kind of stops and he's like how's that yeah you know, he starts talking. Was it green? Like, and they were like, green. oh, it was emerald green. It was jade green. It was, was great. Like, hey, yeah. 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 <laughs> and he was like, he was like, look, man. He's like, I'm going to need you to like, you, you show me no fire, no energy, no nothing. You know? And then he kind of like puts him up against the wall. is like choking him. And, uh, you know, he's like telling him what he's, what he's there to do. And he's like, I'm here to do your stupid show. I'm, I'm just, I'm here to do what I'm what's supposed to do. And he was like, are we green? He was like, super green. <laughs> super green. <laughs> but to give you an idea Maybe someone that he is uh, based off from. I'm going to play a little bit of Prince. Yeah, I mean... But, I mean, how do you watch this and not think that he's supposed to be, like, Prince and, like, Dennis Rodman? Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you hear that? That sounds kind of feminine. Yeah. But are you going to are you gonna call, you know, Prince, like, gay or something? Yeah, Prince definitely wasn't gay. He might have dressed kind of gay. Maybe look kind of gay. Definitely was not gay. <laughs> was not. No. I mean, Lady Gaga sometimes in her videos, you know, dresses like a, you know, like a man, transgender person. Yeah. And she's definitely not a transgender person. No. Even though people think she has a penis. She definitely supports it, which is fine. But yeah, I mean, listen to Prince. No one ever accused him of that. I mean, this is one of his best songs. This is Kiss. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I if you don't know anything about, like, Prince or any artist like that, I mean, even David Bowie had, like, a persona 
that yeah. people thought like he might have been gay, and David Bowie definitely wasn't. He definitely I mean, was not. No. I mean, but uh, people watching this are like, what the fuck is with this weird like gay DJ dude? And it's like like you're saying like he the Ruby Rod is he's like a he's like a radio DJ. He's a personality. That's what his personality is. But like women are like the the stewardesses love him. Like whenever right. he shows up in the thing, you know, and he's like, you know, he's like in that one girl's ear, and he was like, you know, he was like, uh, you know, every every day from like what is it like from like three to five? It's like the Ruby Rod show or whatever. And he was like, you know, and I'll be back tomorrow with D-Man, your man. And he's like, whispering in her ear. And she's like, ah. You know? Yeah. Because she's like, just okay, like, oh I my wanna... God, I can't believe he's like right on me. And yeah. then and then he ends up with the stewardess like in the, you know, in like the compartment. Like they're like in like a little hideaway compartment. And uh, it's like, I think that people watching Ruby Rod, it's like he's playing that character so well, Chris Tucker is. Because he's... He's trying to be, like, he's, yeah, me, you can call him effeminate or whatever, but it's like, you know, as a, as a character, he definitely adds some additional, like, cool moments to this, like, you know, even when he's like, there's like the shootout in the lobby with the aliens and Corbin's like, shooting the Mangalores and all that stuff, and he's like, you know, diving behind the thing with the guns, and Ruby doesn't know what to do, <laughs> you know, like, he's just one of those characters, he just adds a whole different element to the movie, Yeah, because I, of I how... I like the negotiation I'll, scene, that's one of my favorite yeah, scenes. Yeah, we'd like to send someone in to negotiate. Was, was, uh, was you, you, you like to negotiate? Yeah. He turns it and shoots the guy in the head or whatever. Yeah. Anyone else want to negotiate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know that's what Anakin Skywalker would call it aggressive negotiations yeah, yeah. Um, but before then Corbin Dallas was kicking ass right blasting heads because uh, people when they were watching this and like in the comments they were basically was is this, oh, is this Bowie right here oh, okay yeah yeah that was just having in the background what we can talk over oh okay but uh, I, I think that, like, when I was looking through the comments, people were constantly saying that he was, like, the Jar Jar of this movie before we even knew Jar Jar existed. Because when he shows up, he's just, like, annoying, and he just steals every, like, all the thunder away from the main actors because he's distracting, and he's, like, too crazy, and he's, like, a cartoon character, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, there are people who are like this in real life that are, yeah. like this overly dramatic and they just they treat everything with like theatrics but yeah, it's you, like he's an interesting character what are you complaining about having interesting characters yeah i mean everybody can't be the same everybody can't be this same boring you know person over and over again not there's no one boring in this movie no there's not a boring person in this movie I mean, even if you have, even when you look at like the president who's played by Zeus, like that's fucking awesome. It's Tiny Zeus Lister. Yeah, Tiny Zeus Lister, which yeah. you know, of course, the ironic name. Yeah, Tiny uh, Tiny Lister Jr. Yeah, it's yeah. like Little John and uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights or whatever, and he's like a giant. He's like a giant dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it, I just feel like when people look at this movie. I th do you think that partly what it is is that the movie is so weird 
that unless you might be a little bit weird, you don't get it, and that's why you hate it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are, are not accepting of stuff that's out of the norm if they're, um, if things are too different. People can't handle it. Yeah, because they don't like to see things that don't look like them, that don't act like them. Right. Like that kind of stuff. And even, you know... That, you, that, that's the, um, that's the, our country's basis for racism. Yeah. You know, that that was the starting point of it was, oh, they don't look like us. They don't act like us. So we need to act like animals, which mm -hmm. is something animals do. If you're in a like a group of animals, if animals are all in a group and there's some other animal that looks a little different, they bully it. Mm -hmm. We're not animals. No. We're humans. We're supposed to be better than that. Yeah. Let's be better than that, everyone. And just, you know, like, looking at this movie and thinking, like, oh, well, this is sexist because all the women just have, like, traditional roles like servers and secretaries and stewardesses and, you know, that kind of stuff. But yet the main character, the most important character in this movie is a woman. The main characters you know? are a woman, a man, a black man. Yeah. And so. an alien who's a woman. The, the alien the, that's the diva. Woman. The diva. Yeah, which is also... Because the stones are in her. Right. Spoiler alert. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which the sounds that she makes are humanly impossible. Yeah. Because when they recorded it, it was, uh, it was impossible. Like, so they had to record track by track, sound by sound, because no person, no human can uh, change sounds that quickly. Yeah, to change uh, octaves that quickly... You're just you your your vocal cords would just be wrecked trying to do that. Right. Like the only person who might be close to being able to do it would maybe be Mariah Eddie Carey. Eddie Vedder. Uh, uh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Eddie Vedder has that kind of range. <laughs> how many he can octave, change his voice very fast. How many though. octave range does Eddie Vedder have? Because Mariah's is like eight octave, which I think is the highest you can have. I think Eddie's is like four. That's like a four or five octave, which for like a rock singer, we, that's all you we need. We looked it up. Uh, me and my brother looked it up one time, and like, uh, like Billy Corgan, I think, has a six. Which means he's not that far off from Mariah Carey. That's yeah. pretty. That's pretty crazy for somebody that they say can't sing. Yeah. Like Billy Corgan. And Which that will can... be an episode, but uh, Greg, he will have to be here live. Yeah, we would have to have Greg here, not through phone. Because you um, really can't just like phone call that. He would have to physically be here in the studio to yeah, do it. Yeah, because that's a whole episode. Probably yeah. four hours, because he could talk about them that long. Yeah. Uh, and it would be all be interesting. Right. Um, so we'd look forward to that. And yeah. Hopefully in the near future. But uh, but to just to wrap it up, I think that you know people who didn't like this movie, you know they thought that Bruce Willis was just you know being John McClane again. He wasn't. They thought it was sexist, it uh, even though the main character is a woman. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mila. Yeah, and then they they didn't like Zorg because they just thought that that character was just like a waste of talent for Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman's probably the only person who could have played Zorg. And they thought that Ruby Rod was, like, distracting in a cartoon and, like, effeminate for no reason and all this kind of stuff. And I think if you're watching this movie and you think that there's all of these problems with it, you're not fucking enjoying the movie, which is what you're supposed to be doing. Just exactly. shut up and enjoy a fucking movie. This movie's a blast. I've loved this movie ever since I first saw it. 
It's still one of my favorite movies of all time. I quote this movie constantly, <laughs> you know, and for anybody who's watching this and finds all kinds of flaws in it, just fucking sit back and just enjoy something for Enjoy once. it. Just clear your mind and enjoy it. And still to this day, when we see in sports games someone with the name John Baptiste, we have to finish it with Emmanuel Zorg. Emmanuel Zorg, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, but, like like Ricky Jean Baptiste, Emmanuel Zorg. <laughs> yeah, Emmanuel Zorg. It always we have to end everything with Emmanuel Zorg, and because right. he was so memorable, even though even if he didn't like it. But quick, real quick, uh, name your top two Milas. Top two what? Milas. Top two Milas? Like characters that Mila played? No, top two Milas. Oh, Kunis and Jovovich. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was like, I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> we're gonna leave you with the, with these majestic sounds. The sounds. Of godness. Right. Also, this has been Beyond the Hate. Peace, everybody. Peace, everyone. See you next time.